Hello, we're here again. Uh, we are on time, surprisingly. Um, yeah, uh, I'm obviously back. Mickey joined with uh, yet again this lovely man over here, Carlo. How you doing, Carlo? Hello, hello, hello. And uh, we also have special guest uh, and not infrequent guest to the channel, Peter. Just above me over here. How you doing, Peter? Pretty good. Pretty good. What's that's up? What we like to hear. Uh, you're up, apparently. That's that's what up according to me. Uh, so, um, right, we've got lots to talk about today. Uh, Peter's going to be joining us for the first bit. I wouldn't put I would put a time limit on it, but that would be lying to everybody involved. So, uh, yeah, he'll be here for the first section, uh, and then we'll see where we go with it all. Um, first of all, before I go any further, uh, I want to shout out to all the people who've been downloading the podcast. Uh, I know it's not many, but we've had 100 people use the podcast in the first week. Um, which is fantastic. If people like the podcast, we'll keep the podcast going. Obviously, uh, keep us going. Um, you know, I'm sure things will be there. Uh, podcast stuff out the way and done. Um, if you don't like the podcast and you think it's rubbish, also tell us because then I can stop doing it and it saves me a massive job. Right. Anyway, um, uh, one other thing that I had to mention because uh, I actually got called out on this, Carlo. Right. Uh, not I got, by me. Not by you. Right, Not I got, me. got called out on this by somebody else, another viewer of the channel, uh, and it was an event that happened at Just Play back in, I think he said just uh, January, might have been January, might have been December, so forgive me for this one, but Mr. Ray said he performed in an event and did really well, so... With, um, with Baratheons, right? I, yeah, I believe I mean... so, yeah. I don't. We we don't always talk about, but I actually keep a very close eye on the site. Like we don't we don't always talk about every every bit of tournament news that goes on. Because I mean, like this week alone, I think there were eight tournaments run through the site. You know, like yeah. we probably won't get round to talking about all of them. No. Yeah, Mister Mister Ray, <laughs> strong win, strong win at just play with uh, with Baratheons. Yeah, did almost give it a call out, but yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, so congratulations to Mr. Ray. Uh, the only reason I'm saying this is because he caught me when I was watching Dead Meta Stream on Wednesday uh, afternoon, evening. Do recommend Dead Meta Streams. It's usually fun, and they uh, they play some good games. It's usually good good crack. Uh, but he called me out live, so I had to uh, I had to respond to that. So yeah, well done, Mr. Ray. Anyway, um, there will be more things that we talk about as the show goes on, but I suppose we should get into the first big piece of news, and uh, part of the reason while uh, resident guest Peter is here. Um, something weird happened in Poland. Well, Poland are like basically a year ahead of us in terms of updates. Um, the uh, <laughs> the long story cut short is that um, War Factory gets certain cards early uh, for production because what they do is it, at War Factory, they actually translate the cards from English into Polish they repackage the boxes and things like that so they can then sell the product with Polish cards in them so that the Polish community can then thrive. I think that's actually, you know, as much as like the version French that we hear about as really creating and things that happen in France and stuff. Um, I think War Factory is actually part of the reason that the Polish community survives in the way it does. Um, and I think a massive kudos to them for doing the amount of work that they do because they do. The, the turnaround is really quick, isn't it? Um, so, anyway, Poland got a load of stuff <laughs> uh, sent over to them. Uh, now, there were... Some. Yes. Some with an asterisk, right? Asterisk, like... yeah. They've got the 2022 update asterisk 
some. Um, they didn't get, they, they got three files, but it is important to note, and I'll do this now, the three files they were given included neutral Starks and Lannisters, not all stuff in neutral Starks and Lannisters, and only stuff that appears in the two-player starter set, that's Stark versus Lannisters, has seen the updates. Okay, and that's so that the Polish community can continue to sell those two-player starter sets with the updated cards. So with that in mind, we'll dive through and we'll start with the Starks. They've had a few changes from the base starter set. Now, uh, before we go any further, that means people like Howland Commander and Howland NCU, they weren't in the base starter set. So they might appear in the file, but he will be unchanged. So even if a change will happen to him in 2022, it will not appear in this file. So, it is all in Polish, which would be a nightmare <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact... Are going to sit and listen to Mickey translate it, oh, yeah, as 100%. usual? Uh, it would be a nightmare if it wasn't for the fact that Google Translate exists. And also, we know Polish people. Figure A, Peter. Um, so... <laughs> Peter. I'm not Polish. That's the uh, uh, oh. that, uh, uh, that's the uh, that's the challenge. But I will. <laughs> oh, you've been called out there, Mickey. I know, right? He's uh, not uh, hold on. Uh, uh, but I will have to pass Polish test to get my uh, permanent residence here. So it will be a good training <laughs> for me to uh, to try to read and translate it. So I think that's part of uh, uh, part of the training now. So I mean, uh, so what can we say? So Song of Ice and Fire stats, we like to educate people around the world with what's good and bad in the Song of Ice and Fire. And we also like to help people get residency status. You know, we're, we're good people here at stats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right then, Peter. Um, I don't know if you've got a list of changes on you on Pan Peter, but Sansa was the first one. Uh, the first big one, Yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, I do have it open. I, oh, I don't fab. have a list, but... Yeah, yeah fab. Uh, so Sansa, I, I'm right in saying this. Sansa's changed in that she now has an ability where on activation once per game you can go into your discard pile and take a card out your discard pile put it into your hand and her right. zone replace effect is no longer a once per game effect it's every time she takes a zone she can replace uh, it into the discard it into your hand. wasn't once uh, was i don't it, think it was, uh, was it uh, twice she, a game? she got like two tokens yeah, yeah it was twice a game yeah and i think this is not that much of a buff the second thing it's more of like uh tracking less stuff things because realistically i don't see with what they especially with this once per game ability i don't see how you three times replace the zone with taking back a tactics card yeah yeah no it's it's hard to see the the way that that would play out in order for that to happen just doesn't seem very feasible that you do it three times a game um but yeah, it is a buff, you know, the the, 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 the on-activation bit's the big one, right? Yeah. Carlo, your initial thoughts uh, on that. So, so she's gained her effect on a replace effect now as an additional once-per-game bonus. On activation. I just get to, I just get to do Correct. it for free, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is yeah. the change. And she's she's still four points. Yeah. Right. As far as we, we know, do, yeah. no points values, right? Yeah. How, uh, can can I ask before we kick off? Are there any points value changes in here? Not yes. Oh, oh. I guess the Stark oh. Outriders, right? 
That's the uh, only one. Don't spoil it, Mickey. <laughs> well, that was okay. on the stream. That was on the stream. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. But, but no, no, no stealth ones. We don't need to like check with like attachments and stuff like that whether or not they've gone up and down. Actually, no. no Go on, Sansa yeah. was seeing no play. Um, it's an it's a buff. That's right. Is it enough? The top. Well, it depends whether or not you think that a particular commander card, or presumably it's any card, right? Just checking. We're talking any card out of the discard pile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, based on commander cards, you know they can always be pretty powerful. But the Stark deck itself was, relatively speaking, underperforming. I, I believe we're going to see a couple of changes to the Stark deck. Whether or not any cards become standout must-plays, like nearly every round, could be quite significant. I think she's okay. You know, uh, like, I, 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 I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, there could be uh, some pretty good combos where you, for instance, uh, uh, grab the sword and immediately like take out some uh, offensive start cards and uh, uh, and uh, uh, from your discard pile and reuse it, or uh, take the um, you know, what is it, the assault orders from discard and just like slap it on. Uh, and uh, and 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 I think you might not even played but just like the uh, uh the possibility will affect your opponent's uh, thinking and actions and uh, i think that could be that uh, that could be interesting the the big obvious one i think and it is worth you know it's worth a discussion or consideration is specifically um now assault orders coming out of the deck or out of the discard pile means that you don't have to keep assault orders necessarily in your starting hand uh, where it mm -hmm. basically has no value in round one uh, and sometimes limited value in round two. Whereas, you know, you can make a turn three play now, as you say, Sansa onto swords, having just drawn assault orders and do an opening board charge using the tactics board, which is something that basically Starks haven't had um, outside of using a BBG unit, which everyone can do that. Like, that's, that's nothing special. Um, so I think that is important. I do think that's important. Um, and it has, as much as I hated Sudden Charge, it has felt like Starks have missed that a little bit in the new update, especially compared to other factions which still have access to that similar effect. Um, yeah, I think recursion on um, on an Assault Orders, uh, particularly, uh, just to refresh my own memory, their Assault Orders is any unit on a Swords can charge, right? Yeah. So... Um, that is a very strong opening round play and to not have to be like desperately hoping that when you discard your hand, you draw it and not to be held to the fact that you need to hold it for the whole game until you get a chance uh, are both pretty powerful uses. Um, it's, it's relatively niche. I still think that, you know, without, if we don't see any changes elsewhere, Caitlin's still just like a more powerful NCU. Um, everybody presumes that we're going to see a buff to Aria. Um, we'll, 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 we'll see where she ends up. I think it's a move in the right direction. It's definitely not overkill. I don't think we're not like, oh my God, Sans is the new top tier. Uh, so let's, you know, let, let, let's see how it plays out. See what, see what field she's up against, but she's, She's moved up a little bit, but it's only a bit. Yeah. Uh, the question is... Which I is mean, good. 
yeah, no, it is a good thing. She was clearly underperforming. Do you think it's enough to see her get played? Long and short of it, yes or no? Uh, 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 it depends on how neutral NCUs will change. Fair answer. Yeah, I'd, I, I, I'd agree. Um, I'd agree. It, it, At the moment, I don't. I don't put her as the third best NCU for the Stark uh, selection in pretty much any real setup. Um, yeah, not, not, not for me. Not, not quite there um, against the current field. Uh, uh, I, I can see, for instance, uh, if Edward isn't changed uh, when you take Edward Commander, uh, could be used. He's got some pretty, pretty good cards. Uh, and again, but this is provisional on uh, uh, on uh, Tycho disappearance from being taken every every to every freaking roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is Roderick Cassell. Uh, uh, basically, his Starks didn't have really good uh, NCUs all around, so I would take uh, probably uh, uh, Caitlyn is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, if I'm taking, um, of course, uh, uh, her stupid husband is phenomenal. Uh, but if you take him as a commander, and then uh, you take Caitlyn, you take Tycho, and then you're hard-pressed about what you take as a third NCU. And usually you just take either Littlefinger or Roderick Castle, and Roderick is okay at best. So I think Sansa is now Roderick level. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um and you know what, that's fine. As long as it brings them into contention, I think we, you know, the one thing we're worried about with any changes is where the change makes it all of a sudden, well, I'm obviously going to do that. Um, that's yeah. a change we want to avoid. So the moment, at least Sansa's in the discussion. And if it's not good enough, well, at least the step was in the right direction. Yeah. Um, that's probably, you know, that's actually probably a good result for us is to have a, a change where it sees fringe play rather than seeing lots of play. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I, I can uh, come also like with uh, kind of, uh, um, uh, let's say, um, uh, very, um, uh, what, what to say, uh, uh, very specific example. If I'm, if for instance, yeah. Lannister faith list uh, still stays like as a standard, I can see any NCU with zone replacement effect being good. Because a typical play is that you start first and then Lannisters will just leave you uh, the crown zone. And if you take it, you're actually at disadvantage. Yeah. Because mm. you're just giving them faith tokens effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that, you know. Um, especially when we talk about NCUs not being able to pass. Having a replace zone effect like this is a third NCU, which in the case where you don't want to pass or you don't want to give them tempo or whatever it ends up being, maybe that is a you know, a good enough thing. Um, well, also, I don't want them to give a panic, uh, uh, like a panic zone for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, all right, then. So we'll move on from Sansa. That was uh, the first one that we saw there. NCU Sansa uh, seeing a, you know, inverted commas buff. Um, so as far as we're aware, Caitlin is the only other NCU in the box. The yep. only other thing that we would expect to see any kind of change in this set of cards everything else is not, not in the discussion yeah as should be getting changed and we see caitlin not change right yeah is what we see. so we we believe that caitlin is relatively confirmed as unchanged sansa is changed 
they're the only two NCUs in the starter set. That's the only thing that we believe that we've actually seen active card changes for, even though there's five NCUs on this page. Yes, the other ones are unchanged or not present yeah. in the starter set, so are unchanged if you translate them. So that is the first uh, character change. Now, the next character change, believe it or not, is the Great John Umber, uh, appearing as the second commander in the starter box, of course, after Rob um, as the main commander. You have Great John, and Great John has changed. Um, you'll notice Great John's card here on the right-hand side. Uh, okay, it's in Polish, but uh, he now has an innate ability. Uh, Peter, you might have to help me on the translation here, but I'm right uh, yeah, saying, I... is it to the last still? It is, it is to the last, but I think the ability has changed because you start mm -hmm. with two... Uh, 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 with two tokens for uh, and interestingly you use like the the health point tokens and every time uh, when this uh, unit uh, could be uh, destroyed it's say uh, then you can discard the token and then you take one moral test and if you pass it uh, it stays it stays in the game with one wound if I remember correctly, it was previously in order, and I think you were getting conditions for that. Yes. It used to be uh, a really terrible... Like, Panicked and vulnerable. Test. Panicked and vulnerable, yeah. Um, but you yeah, can do it and if it's in order, it's easily like cancelable, and this one can't be... Uh, you can't do anything with it. No, innate ability, obviously, we know can't be removed, but... But also, Great Don yeah. didn't used to have this ability on his commander. It used to uh, be his. I, it, it used to be his attachment, his paid attachment it, version. I played against Great John Commander mm -hmm. just the other day. He had the order, run the order, reckless charge. I think it is the one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. D three wounds. Yeah. yeah, auto six on the charge and um, overrun to replace your surge fourth. Um, as orders, so it is actually quite a big change for Great John as a commander attachment. Uh, uh, hold on, aren't we uh, uh, just make me thinking is it if the we didn't? Uh, 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 yeah, a lot of Yeah, I think we might. Yes, I think this is uh, uh, attachment. Uh, we, we might be missing. Yeah, yeah, I think that was attachment, right. but uh, it's another. So this, is atta this, this, this is, is the attachment, attachment right? The yeah, yeah. So this okay. one has uh, has two orders. So first one, uh, uh, I, oh, instead of uh, uh, yeah, I I um, I, I forgot what uh, overrun uh, mm -hmm. basically. Uh -huh. And the second one is Auto six on a charge, uh, right? yeah for D3 wounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. yeah. So I guess so uh, actually he's entirely changed. unchanged. The only thing that has changed is his attachment. Yes. Attachment ability has the rule is... to the last, and to the last itself is a changed ability. Yes. And That's right. probably it would it would change for all other units. I would expect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes a lot cool. more sense. That to makes me. a lot more sense. Um, is he two points? Yes, he was before, and he's stayed he two, points two points in the new. And he still is two points. Yeah, still two points. Yeah, all star heroes are two points basically. What What else does he come with? What's his other ability? Um, is it the uh, uh, furious charge? You vulnerable when you charge? Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerable on charge. It's an interesting set of abilities. I don't know. 
for two points. I don't know what the yeah. cost of to the last should be. Like, I do actually think, I think it's a buff, right? So I think it's a buff because um, you don't take the two tokens, right? Which was the big problem before. Um, I also think that it's a buff because you can hit it twice in a row, right? Like, it, yeah. it's it's like it's like playing two what is dead made of a dies like in a row because you play right. it because you're attacked and you die and you're like okay i won't die and then you're like all right well you're still gonna have to take a panic test these days you don't have a token so that's a big big improvement and then you die from the panic anyway and then you're like well i'll to the last again right having being able to double tap it in one round and also, as you say, that it's innate and not an order are probably all big benefits. But you've lost your infinite use of it. You know, like the old to the last did technically have infinite use. And I am skeptical that like it's suddenly a top tier ability. Like I know lots of particularly barrows have been talking about like, oh my God, like to the last is good. We're a good faction now. And I'm like, are you though? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so uh, I don't think I'm paying two points. I'm not paying two points for it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree actually. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not sure whether I prefer uh, to the last or um, uh, fueled by slaughter. For uh, if, uh, I just want to to make a compare, and then like mm -hmm. uh, send or Klee gain is one point. Yeah, yeah, it's true. true. He has exactly true. the same secondary ability. Um, yeah. Uh, Newt, the um, the one point attachment for uh, Greyjoys has the Furious Charge ability for a point for vulnerable, but he also comes with motivated by coin, and he acts as Victorian. Um, card play you've got uh torment yeah so, so you can see there that furious charge giving vulnerable on the charge is not considered a one point ability it's one of the few things uh, that uh, actually uh, uh, actually right now it is because uh, the war sworn attachment gives furious charge yeah for one point it's considered does he now how no, many of those no do see it's uh, it's right now it's 2021 yeah how many of them do we get get the uh the actual play <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, but well, it, I mean, it really it set feels to, like to use one point. <laughs> it feels like to the last is at least one and a half points here, and the furious charge is about half a point. Um, I think it's a hard sell at one and a half points, but we'll see. We'll see. I think to the last. The problem I have with to the last actually comes from not the ability itself but in the same way that it exists currently in that currently it doesn't work because if there's two damage instances mm -hmm. then you've got to save yourself from one and then luck, hope yourself like luck through the other kind of thing um whereas this change as you say can make that difference you can afford to take those two hits but what it doesn't protect you against is any form of alternate damage output which we are going to obviously look at and has been mentioned. Like, like auto, auto revenge hits, for example, counter-strike. Yes. Like On activation yeah. hits. Do you really want to yeah. spend to the last when a unit activates in combat with you and says, oh, by the way, take four hits? Like, 
that sucks. I, I do think the fact that you you come in with one wound, right? Yeah. You've passed a morale test. Is, it, it, I th I think people overrate it a bit. I think you know may maybe they don't like maybe I just think that people overrate it. Like maybe they don't actually think it's a good ability. I don't think it. I still don't think it's a very good ability. I do think it's gotten a very small buff. Mostly, actually, not because it went from like an order to being able to double tap. That is a little bit useful, but just because it went from an order to being innate, that's what made it that the innate part is the significant bit, in my opinion. Um, and it's okay, but I'm not paying two points. Like maybe uh, units okay. that come with it are now less overcosted. I still think attachments that are bringing it are probably overcosted, um, and you're still very reliant on like it doesn't actually go into units that have amazing morale that often. Like uh, we're getting corrected. Uh, the worst one is uh, the oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 the other ability from uh, from game. <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't think that anybody seemed to think that. Vulnerable on a charge was worth a point. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Except when it's on Victorian attachment, because obviously, you know, rec you know, relentless. relentless is only two points, right? <laughs> so uh, the other thing is as well, which I, it's a kind of a problem with Edard um, command, uh, Edard uh, NCU, is you might initially think well, there's some form of synergy with Edard, like you pass the morale test. And then you can immediately, oh, look, I passed the morale test. I'm alive on one wound. And now I can pop an Eddard token to do a heal. And it's a massive heal because you get plus one for each wound. Except you can't because Eddard is specifically only panic tests. Like, mm -hmm. so this really, like, it is just you're alive on a wound. And you have yeah. no double down in all of Starks to double down yeah. on that successful morale check. And, uh, and you can't re-roll this test from Eddard, can you? No. 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 Oh, okay, then uh, it's super swingy. Panic, Imagine panic failing tests. it. Yeah. Panic tests are morale tests, but morale tests are not panic tests. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just don't remember the uh, the Eddard wording. Yeah. I yeah. just had to look it up. It is panic only. So this, this obviously means that Eddard doesn't double down on this at all. Like, if there was synergy there, I think it would yeah. have more play. I wouldn't say it'd be brilliant, but it would certainly be a bit better. But there's no, yeah. there's not even any synergy. Um, The closest thing... Honestly, the closest thing I can see here, and it's going to sound mental, because this is just a dumb, in my opinion, it sounds really stupid, is you have the Tully Sworn Shields. No, because Southern Tenacity is on panic mm, as well. I, no, I don't know. Like uh, the, the, the synergy, the synergy is with is with the Stark Glass Rank abilities. Like yeah. the synergy is with She Bears or um, or you know with, with Berserkers themselves. And that they are still very dangerous, particularly in you know, like she bears needs um, needs Caitlyn on them. Generally speaking, um, on their last rank, but they're very dangerous with Caitlyn on their last rank. They suddenly hit on twos. Mm -hmm. um, Berserkers pretty solid um, kind of profile on that last rank. Um, the problem is, is that you've given up the chance to run a Mormont veteran who is actually the thing that really kind of makes them quite frustrating right now, but we'll see whether or not Harden survives the 2021 update. Um, playing an extra point for Great John instead, I, I would, you know, like when you put it in that frame, 
I would rather have the hardened. Like, actually, like, if you were like, which one do you want? They cost the same price. I'd be like, I'll take the hardened, please. Not to the last. Um, as things stand yeah, right now. Yeah, and then, now, like, for, uh, it will be an eight-point unit, and then for eight points, you need to kick ass to, to, yeah, to pull your own weight. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you just you know, don't. Like, if if you told me that they both cost eight points, then I'd take the I'd take the Mormont veteran unit, but they don't. The Mormont veteran unit currently costs seven points. So you know that's the way that I'm going. They both achieve almost identical things, except that hardened happens all the time, not twice. Hardened is also effectively innate, like not quite heart innate. Can be switched off by things that switch off all abilities. But I mean, like. Really, there, there's there are so few things that switch off defensive abilities right now in the game that you might as well consider something that's not on order just to be an eight. Mm -hmm. um, so when 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 I describe it in that way, I convince myself that this is really not a good value two points by comparison to the current other options that Starks have. As a big caveat, it's hardened might not survive the addition change. Um, Nikiforos, uh, yes, these are new changes that we are made aware of coming out of Poland to the new 2021, and I believe the terminology they use on the cards is 2021 SO1, um, as in season one, I can think of, is the only thing I could read why they use SO, I think they use. Um, but yeah, this is effectively a 2022 change that we're discussing. Um, yeah, for me, the thing that really annoys me here, actually, is that... I really want those morale checks onto the last to have some form of synergy in the Starks, like something, so that that two-point ability, you could then say, actually, I'm going to create this Jenga of, like, this is going to mm. pass a morale test, and this morale test is going to, like, heal two, and then that heal two means I do a damage back, and I can, like, I can do this little combo. Okay, it's not impressive, but there's something that people could then play with, whereas yeah. this is literally not a thing. It's just not a thing. Honestly... Change the wording of change the wording of Ned to be morale test, not panic test, and suddenly we're talking like we're talking because uh, Ned is a heal two plus missing ranks right now. So right, so if you pass that morale and you got one wound, then you're suddenly on five wounds, right? And that and that's and that's very strong. And also he gives you re rolls onto that test itself to double down. Um, the real reliability with which you won't die. Um, but at the moment, you know, they, 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 they sit as like a five or six or seven morale faction. The test itself is a risk. Yeah. Something like hardened in its current form is I, a I, I guess you may, uh, you, may, uh, you may argue that you're even on six wounds because the morale test happens where, when you're dead <laughs> and missing all ranks. Yeah. Yeah. Technically. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's just not quite enough, is it? Anyway, we will move on. Um, so that was yeah, the only other please. character change. Okay. So as far as we're aware, that means that both Commander attachment versions are the same. Yeah, Commander and Rob both... and C Commander Great John will be the same. And Attachment Rob and Attachment Great John, still the same. Exactly. Uh, sorry, uh, Attachment Rob, still the same. Yeah. Attachment Great John, as we've just discussed at length. Yeah. <laughs> has the same abilities, but to the last is a changed ability. Yeah. Again, right direction, probably not enough. I think that's the, the long and short of it. 
Um, all right, moving on, we'll go to. We'll, should we discuss the units next? I think. Um, yeah, we'll do the units next because I've kind of already spoiled this oh. accidentally. Um, the obvious unit that's changing is the Kranigman trackers. We discussed those last week. If you didn't miss that, uh, if you missed that conversation, go back and check out last week's uh, discussion on the Kranigman trackers. They're getting the new version of the traps. Uh, but the big news, and I think the interesting news, and I kind of said it before, Stark Outriders uh, are going from their current seven-point position down to six points. They I'm are... so happy I haven't sold the second box. <laughs> they are not changing in any other way. They are simply going down in points cost. Uh, they are keeping all of their current abilities. No other changes, I believe, is correct. They're just going down a point. Peter, go on. What was your initial thought there? You saw that? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I think this is uh, actually like, uh, it's a big change, but it's, it's needed. It, uh, uh, I don't think that they become OP uh, out of that, uh, frankly. Uh, it would be interesting finally to feel the Stark Olcav army, always wanted that, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't have Targaryen. <laughs> uh, and uh, but I have the exclusive box. Um, uh, I think this is also kind of like an uh, an interesting thought extension. Is is this like um, the overall direction of making the light cav uh, uh, cost six point? Uh, and we had discussions about uh, either brigands, which will be pretty sweet, I think, uh, at six points. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and would be a good uh, uh, actually like uh, even right now they would be uh, they would be a great fit for uh, two or uh, like uh, you can run like two or three uh, red cloaks and brigands uh, and that would be pretty sweet uh, and um, the uh, the, uh, 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 the other thought is the uh, uh, the mummer uh, horse riders. At six points, Zorses. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Zorses. Praise uh, the Zorses. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if they change to six points, I don't think they're breaking uh, everything because they're really like they have a very niche role uh, and uh, they're very squishy. So I think those, uh, 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 if all light cav, except probably. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Ranger, uh, uh, what? Uh, Vanguards, uh, be, be, yeah, because Fuck Night Watch uh, becomes <laughs> six points. Uh, then I'm happy. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, Carlo, you'll have a lot to say on this, no doubt. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about it last week, and we talked about the um, who who moved last week because it wasn't wasn't these guys. Ranger who, trackers. Who, who Ranger trackers. Ranger Night trackers. Watch. Yeah, Ranger trackers moved to six points. Like I do think that it's a monumental swing to go from the six, the seven to six point category. Um, I feel more okay with the range tracker change if, as Peter speculates, we're talking about the fact that we now class all light cavalry as six point as six point choices. Right? Um, it's possibly an okay choice if we show it across the whole board that these are six points. Um, I am a little bit nervous that we start to push out six point infantry. Like we just like why 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 field six point infantry in a lot of cases if 
um, if you can pick up a cavalry unit, which has very similar stats, like, you know, like this 7-4 hitting on fours is is a pretty decent profile. Remind me, what's their save? Are they are they a four They're plus? Are they a four, four plus six? Four plus six. Uh, four, four, four six, plus, six plus, like, but yeah, but they have what like six attacks on uh, on seven, four? Seven seven attacks. Seven attacks on four. Seven attacks on fours. Uh, um, but like really, their strength is in their abilities uh, of. Uh, Carlo, uh, Carlo, you haven't you haven't yet seen uh, Storm Swords. Oh yeah, we'll get onto that okay. in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but uh, remind You'll me, we're talking about, uh, we give out, do we give out vulnerable and Panic, weakened? Panicked and weakened. Panicked and weakened. Panicked give out and panicked weakened. and weakened when we attack in the flank or rear? Yes. And what's our order? It's swift retreat. Yeah. So after we attack, we can make a retreat. After we are attacked. Uh, after they attack. After we are attacked. Um, I think that. I think that this is a really, really strong package for six points. Um, I think they're going to see a lot of play. I think that... I, I think that we'll see a shift. In, like, if, if, big if, if we see all our seven-point cavalry move into six points, except, like, presume, presumably hedge knights can't, right? Like, God. Surely, the point like is, the, the point is, is that hedge knights are pushing out every other seven point option because they are better than every other seven point option for and for some reason they can't possibly think of a way to fix it other than to move all the others to six points um surely what we're saying is is that six you know light cavalry are six points now i think we will see a lot of light cavalry a lot a lot of light cavalry especially if what we see is a buff to lance itself because you really don't want to underestimate the value of light cavalry being able to lock down heavy cavalry before they get to charge that is actually a very important dynamic that you could be two points cheaper than that heavy cavalry unit and charge them because you're faster and that you can lock them down and that they're not strong enough in protracted combat. They're probably not even stronger than you in protracted combat uh, because you have so many points locked up into this Lance ability. And I think that we'll see a lot of like every, just, just as simple as if we're talking about that, we'll see a lot of these guys, I think, because Starks have a ton of six-point units right now that need attachments to make them good. And so they effectively can't really buy anything natively for six points in the current meta. And if you told me that this unit is available six points, I would field two of it in practically every army. Um, just because the threat range of it, the ability of what it can do when it hits you in the uh, in the flank is very, very dangerous. I think that this is a frustrating unit to fight, face against. And I don't have a massive problem with that. Like, I just don't. Like, I'm actually sort of okay with, like, cavalry being a bit too prevalent. It makes a change up, doesn't it? Um, it's a it, change. It does mean that Starks win, though, uh, currently, as, as everything, if everything else stays the same in terms of points cost, Starks are winning because they have now got six, six point options. <laughs> um you can't get better than that right they just need five five point options now and seven seven point options and you know what they might be the first ones there they've got the options they are uh, after all the first faction um 
it's a lot of six-point options, right? It's the same Night's Watch problem, in that mm-hmm. Night's Watch have far too much stuff at seven, and the best stuff wins out. See, crossbowmen. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, say, say, same with Lannister. Yeah, Lannisters have a lot at six as well, with Red Cloaks currently winning the battle. And they don't even have that much at six. They've only got, like, three mm-hmm. units at six. Yeah. And it's still Red Cloaks that win out. Um, uh, four. Or is it four? Uh, I think. Uh... Uh, Lannisford Guard. Oh, City uh, Watch. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about the City Lannister's Watch. Lannisford City Watch. Yeah. It's a and, very And, and soon, soon to join them Brigands, yeah? <laughs> I mean, Brigands is, Brigands is a big doubt. Like, I really do think they're going to come out, you know. Uh, one has said it before, um, you know, not enough data. You've got no data because nobody uses them, mate. Nobody fucking fields them. Actually, actually... Actually, they were used uh, like on the last tournament, uh, but we'll get to it. Uh, uh, Somebody uh, at your sooner. local shop but... using them, Pia, isn't people <laughs> using them? This is what people don't yeah, yeah. to. Okay, like, okay, okay. Get beyond the fact that like just because Mickey uses a unit doesn't mean people use a unit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. You do not create <laughs> significance in your in yourself. You know. Hey, like, hey, that, that, I'm significant. Irrespective of who you are or how big your club is or whatever, you know, like... Okay, okay, Masada winning with fans. Nobody <laughs> is, nobody's talking about brigands as being being important in the scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, 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 Masada winning tournaments with fans, does it count? No, because fans have won tournaments before anyway. Um, we'll talk about why and stuff later on. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a massive change. Uh, massive change, it could mean a lot for the game, it could mean not very much. Um, I do think uh, that straight away, this is a massive stealth buff to everybody's favourite commander in Starks, which is Brynden Outrider, which is obviously due mm. to come out very soon. This makes higher activation lists in Brynden a little bit more palatable. Um, you know, you can pick up two units of uh, Stark Outriders for 12, you can pick up a unit of Tully Cav, say, for put you to 20. And you're halfway through your list and you've got three activations. Okay, that's like still an expensive three activations. But actually it doesn't feel too bad going five more activations for four points a time. Or like trying to get four more activations to get a seven point list with three mm-hmm. units of cavalry. That's Targaryen levels, isn't it? I mean... So yeah, yeah, and remember, yeah, you, think, don't, think... you, you don't get, like, uh, what is it? You don't get uh, two points from uh, controlling commander, so you do have more yeah. time to, uh, to, to, to basically, like, capitalize uh, on, uh, on, uh, on your calf. I think the, the question here is, is like, um, if you're going to ask whether or not these things are going to break the game, is, is are they better than Screamers, right? Like, that, that is the benchmark that we have of this is like no. cavalry at six points. <laughs> and I don't think, I, I think they're in the same category, right? Like, you, you, you replace a 5-5 five, five save with a 4-6. I'd probably take the 4-6 myself um you know but like that's not that's not you know definitely the better way to go uh you both looking at six move remind me screamers hit on a three right seven does screamers? on threes for screamers uh, yeah yeah, yeah I, I think their abilities are also better for uh for, for like for well events. they give vulnerable on the charge right yeah is their one ability yeah 
Mm -hmm. but I think that you're giving not enough value to uh, Swift Retreat. I think the Swift Retreat is actually a very powerful ability, particularly when combined with Ambush, which I also think is a great ability. Um, You definitely have the more defensive profile if you consider the Ambush part of the Weakened. But yeah, you know, like these, these two units are in discussion as like, it's not like, well, obviously Outriders are better. So... Yes, you know, like these outriders aren't going to break the game, and uh, because 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 screamer screamer and screamers weren't a meta. Can't. No, no, they're not bad. They're not bad at all, right? Like they're completely. Uh, no, no, I'm saying they're not good. meta. So, so yeah. true. Like, uh, but that's no. only because other stuff in Targaryens is clearly better. Right. <laughs> um, screamers would make screamers would make the cut into meta Targaryen lists, and. They're only slightly off the power curve compared to things like Targaryen Outriders, which are widely considered very strong at six. Um, and, you know, the question is there, again, comes back down to for equivalent points cost, going up to eight for things like Veterans and Blade Men or Blood Riders is just an obvious improvement. Um, and it's very, they're very high efficiency units at those point costs. So usually that's why the Screamers don't make it. But Screamers make it into a lot of the top Targaryen lists that see play at top tables. So, and and uh, I agree with Dwan actually. He, I think that oddly enough, despite the fact that the Targaryen deck is clearly set up for cavalry, I actually believe that the Stark deck has more benefits to the Outrider unit than the Targaryen deck has to um to, has to the Screamers. Like the ability to add Sundering Vicious and all these effects off of cards on a relative reliability I think is a big improvement. Hey, Targaryens get that too. Or you can just take the re-roll, which everybody takes the re-roll. <laughs> the charge re-roll, man. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, there's, it's a discussion. It's a discussion and it's a discussion that I think will be interesting. We can't fully analyse it, of course, now. and make this point now. We are only seeing a small fraction of the changes overall. So it's very hard yeah. to talk about the overall impact it's going to have. For all we know, Tully Sworn Shields are going to go to seven, and then it's a whole different discussion as to what you take because, you know, Tully Sworn Shields are either garbage or amazing. Um, but yeah, no, Outriders to six. Again, a positive step. Probably not too much. Um, we'll look at Stark Sworn Swords next, and now this one is a really confusing kind of like change, right? Because Stark Fury basically doesn't exist like it does anymore it's completely uh, it's not changed. isn't called uh, uh, that anymore no. exactly it's not even called stark fear anymore uh what is it now what's it actually called something about the winter uh i don't remember uh, no, what is uh, do you have it in your translation i don't i can translate it quickly okay they no longer have Stark Fury. <laughs> yeah. What does it Something do now? Something about though? Winter. Uh, they have like critical blow. Native. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, uh, which is interesting in itself because uh, in one point seven, I think we were uh, we were discussing that uh, Simon kind of like overpriced critical blow. 
uh, they thought it's better than it is, and now they're mm -hmm. just giving it away to a decent uh, uh, four, uh, five point unit. Mm -hmm. um, then they, um, uh, what is it? Uh, this attack uh, has a plus one modifier to hit uh, if uh, at least one rank is missing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, berserker and um, and uh, uh, what is it uh, the uh, the she bears ability but a little bit worse and then the last one <laughs> okay, supposedly, supposedly this order is a called bike. a bit of winter <laughs> mm, a lovely little bit of winter abysmal <laughs> translation is a bit of winter sorry peter to cut you off there but i just could not show not show people that so stark sworn swords now have uh, a bit of yeah, winter uh, <laughs> i can't let, let me try to to, to uh to cheat uh, google to translate it properly <laughs> Oh, this is okay. One. That 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 makes that that makes it even worse. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, Cryplo. Uh, okay. Plus uh, one to anyway, hit. They're missing uh, one rank, and the third. And the, bit? And the last one is uh, if they miss two ranks, uh, then they can uh, have a reroll. Mm -hmm. So that profile. Cryplo unchanged, right? At seven yeah. five four, that's unchanged. Hitting on four. Seven five four. Yeah, yeah uh, hitting on four. Six plus morale. Quick plus recap. Safe. That's crit blow on all the time. Plus one to hit if they're missing one rank or more, and rerolls if missing two ranks. There we Correct. go. Or more, I assume, if they're missing three ranks, when you make an attack, last stand stuff, whatever. Anyway, what do you think, Carlo? Uh, I think that there's a very real chance that we move back into Swan Sword spam. Well, I say move back into. It's never been like. It's never been the dominant playstyle, but it's always in the past. It was always there under the surface. Like the the there were lists out there that ran four of them. Um, I think that their viability at five points by themselves. Like that is a very viable profile. That is a profile that can trade up against sixes. Um, the current fours in the game should absolutely fear that profile. And I don't think that there's a single five point unit that could stand toe to toe with that. Though maybe you could say like wardens, may like maybe simply because, but like. Wardens have traded maneuverability and aggression and like the actual chance to do anything for the fact that the one thing they can do is go toe to toe with somebody who chooses to go toe to toe with them, right? But anyway, still not that good for them, I don't think. So, uh, so okay, uh, so it seems to be winter's bite, or maybe this is a translation of a frostbite. Ah, right, winter's bite. I can see. Yeah. Don't we already have a card that's called? No, winter's might. Now we've got winter's, winter's might. might. God, yeah, that's okay, be a whatever. We'll, we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, I think that. I think that they're very good. I think that we could see Starks very happy. So I think that Starks' current issue is that they're very, very hard pushed to achieve anything at eight activations. Um, whereas as soon as you make. Stark Swan Swords viable at five points by themselves. No attachment required. 
attachments attachments optional can go out and can fight stuff at five points flat can just hold your objective if that's all you want them to do because that's completely acceptable for five points I think that Starks move into a whole new tier of list building at the very least. You know, like, I'm not saying they're uh, necessarily uh, okay. a whole new tier of faction, but they are a new tier of list building as soon as eight activation builds are viable. Mm -hmm. I'm totally picking up the the new starter, Sold. Good <laughs> job, Simon. Uh, so, so yeah, like, uh, what, uh, three units of Sword, uh, one mm -hmm. with Mormont that. Uh, or uh, no, just three units of Sun Sword, two units of, of Outriders. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Three. Uh, what is it? You effectively uh, have a spare uh, point. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, because I uh, I need the spare point for um, uh, for Eddard, Caitlyn, yeah. and somebody else. Yeah. Psycho. Fuck it. I mean, <laughs> Caitlyn seems like an. If you got changed. <laughs> no brainer. Caitlyn is a no brainer if you're including. Um, Answer. You're including Swan Swords. Give my opponent a, a chance. <laughs> Takes sense. <laughs> yeah, Caitlyn here is the obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, if you can claim a last rank, if you can, if you have multiple units of this, these bog standard troops who are threatening on their last rank to roll seven dice with crit blows, hitting on threes with rerolls while engaged, then they are always, always threatening. And if you can put something threatening on the board for five points, I think this is a great unit. I think that oh, yeah. that is a significant change to the power level of Starks. And don't forget the cards, uh, the the star cards that uh, that uh, that will have. Uh, and actually, that's why Sansa might be a viable choice. Yeah. No, because because uh, now we are talking like I'm I'm, I'm jumping on. Swords, uh, getting either a charge or a, a sundering and something, something other juicy, and uh, there we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the thing. So I'm always very, very nervous the moment you give cheap units crits. And I speak with this as somebody who has played uh, Spearwives at five points, who already have a high damage output. But then you're giving them like six or seven dice of steer and you're giving them crit blow with overwhelming assault. Um, I always get very nervous when crit blow appears on cheap units because it's what we used to see on old Starks. Old Starks mm -hmm. would charge in, they'd pop an order to go crit blow and sundering, but I don't give a fuck about the sundering. I'm here for the crit blow and there you go, I've just generated 10 hits or 11 hits or 12 hits. And if I've set that up with a vulnerable token, if I have something to give me like uh, sorry, Sundering as well, all of a sudden, actually, your unit might just die. Like, you're just dead. Um, and that's okay if we're talking, I don't know, Raiders, if we're talking Poor Fellows, if we're talking Trappers, Trackers, you know, lightly armoured units that are designed to come in and get killed. This is a problem if you're talking about a six-point unit or a seven-point unit that is supposed to be an aggressive unit. I mean, just compare these guys and their output versus Mountain's Men, and mm -hmm. it's comparable, and Mountain's Men cost a point more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, lots of people are talking about... their morale is worse. Yeah. These guys are actually better in defense. Yeah. Um, lots of people are talking about whether or not this changes the use of Mormont Veteran. Like, people are asking, is this be unit better than Stormcrow Mercs with the Mormont Veteran? Yes. Absolutely flat out. I, I'm just going to tell you, yes. A unit of 
a unit of Stormcrow mercenaries with a Mormont veteran achieves one thing. It holds an objective and is annoying to destroy. It has no damage output. It is not particularly good. <clears throat> it's not an amazing unit. The point was, was that Starks had no good five-point units. That's why people fielded it. They didn't field it because that's an amazing combo and that like Stormcrow Mercs are amazing, plus the Mormont Veteran now makes them like super, super, super tanky. I mean, it does. Hardened is very, very good, but their profile isn't worth a Hardened. And all you're doing is saying, you know that unit that's going to babysit an objective? Well, now it can do it pretty well. This unit can do all sorts of things. It can still babysit that objective, but it can go out there and kill things too. It can threaten anything that wants to come and try and kill it. Dedicated killers in the six-point range should be scared of this unit. If you come in and do some damage to it, it is going to wreck you back. Now, I think that people are also then saying... This unit now wants a Mormont veteran. And I'm like, well, no. Like, again, like, people don't understand that five points to six points is a huge, huge, huge step in value, right? Huge step in opportunity cost. It is effectively the difference between playing an eight point, eight, an eight activation build or playing a seven activation build. And I will take a whole extra unit over having the Mormont veteran myself. I'll be looking at, as Peter says, you know, it's not quite the same list, but we're talking like, hey, let's build a list with three of these guys, and you've now got like a six-point and a seven-point unit. That could be could be your she-bears, could be your uh, could be your outwiders, could be that unit of um, umbers with a Mormont veteran. You've got a power piece, but these guys fulfill the filler role, the everything else role, the objective holder while being an aggressor, while being X, Y, Z. They fill that really, really well. I expect to see their usage largely increase. I don't think actually, that they're... Actually, imagine now facing with this list like uh, something like, uh, what is it? Mother of Dragons. And this will be a, this meme with two dogs. Mother of yeah. Dragons before Mother of Dragons now. Yeah. Yeah, the, there is there is the question of dogs. You know, we might even see Starks suddenly flip over into that nine activation build with a real spam of them. But that will be niche and 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 corner case. I think I don't think that they're quite in the range of just like absolute spam that we did see it on TTS now and again where people ran five or even six Starks one swords in the past, um, just for their pure value. I think that they're a great unit, and of all the changes we've seen today that is the most significant so far yep mm -hmm. uh and uh, uh, and as a lannister uh uh as a lannister player uh, uh, f uh, uh imagine like having uh, i don't know like the uh, um, yeah, the uh, a unit with uh, uh horrific visages like uh, pyromancers or uh, or others uh, or uh, blackguard uh with uh, the uh, Salt veteran or uh, Ramsey bolted, and these guys charging, and I'll be like, "Can I not trigger this ability, please?" <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's actually like not necessarily advantageous to knock ranks off them. Yeah, which yeah. it kind of plays into or away from the defensive idea that they want to progress. Don't really know how that's going to play out, really. 
Um, you knock these down a rank, they go, okay, so I'm five dice on fours. Well, but I've got Caitlyn. Uh, that is if they don't have, like, uh, Caitlyn affecting yeah. them. Oh, I'm, seven, seven dice up. on three. Seven dice on threes for the reroll, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> How many points? <laughs> five. <laughs> um, you know, that's... Oh, you said six point save, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's nuts. Um, they I, do, I, I, though. I don't, think, I don't think they're breaking the game. I don't think we're talking six of these plus some NCUs. Yeah. But uh, this really, really brings the the Stark viability up. Yeah. Um, I think we're right. really talking about Starks in a different light just off of this change. And I do agree with people. If this is Starks One Swords, then what are Eddard's Honor Guard? Yes. If, without saying anything, we don't know what Eddard's Honor Guard are, but we have to assume, because no other stats changed, mm -hmm. that Eddard's Honor Guard would keep exactly the same stats line as they currently have, and they would just replace the current ability that they have with this Winter's Bite. That is the only change we could possibly speculate and say that they've got. There is obviously chance that they get a completely new ability and they get what mint winter's mole why not uh and it might be cryplo sundering and uh so 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 carlo answering your question that's why you need sansa because you can't <laughs> take edward there you go <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have and neutral answers will be shit so yeah tycho's tycho's getting yeah. a nerf right um so maybe uh, that's the units done, but they did get two tactics card changes as well. Yeah, um, two... uh, and and actually, that's pretty interesting. Uh, sorry for yes. for cutting you, no, but right. with delay, it happens all the time. But uh, <laughs> what I wanted to say that apart from the change for uh, for, uh, for the um, what's his name uh, for uh, for the Big John Amber attachment, mm -hmm. apart from him. Uh, there is no more uh, BDSM abilities for Starks. Yes, they've lost. If, you, if anyone so that, has noticed, there's no self-damage. Yeah. All the self-damage mechanic has gone, which is brilliant because it's one thing that we all thought was really freaking dumb was the self-damage ability. Um, yeah. It was just stupid. It, it wasn't when good. You just, when you just looked at the pure maths of it, it was very, very rare that you came out beneficially from it. Like you nearly always took more damage than you added. And 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 there were genuine real risks in a lot of times that you took more damage than you did with your attack. Never even than you added with the ability. Just that you did two wounds and took two wounds. Like it was <laughs> not worthwhile. No. We do see though two new or two changes not new cards but two changes um so winter's might and northern ferocity the two kind of like bite back abilities uh, that we saw from starks have changed we'll discuss winter's might first had the self-harm taken away and it is now you get sundering on your attack and you re-roll to hit if you're on the last rank and you also attack using your highest dice value if you control swords. You don't even need Caitlyn to open with mm -hmm. a Sansa Stark or something like that 
onto swords, Winter's Might onto a one rank Dark Sworn Sword unit, you've got Crit Blow, you've got Sundering, you've got rerolls, you're hitting on threes, and you're rolling seven dice. And you get your card from the deck. Yes. To spice you, it up. It's yeah. automatic. Uh, and, you didn't and, even and, need the card in your hand. Yeah. Interestingly, now all Stark cards need you to control either swords or horses. Yes. What, uh, what, what, what is it replaced? What did it used to do? It used to do two wounds minus your number of ranks. Yep. So it used yep. to be, and sundering on re and rerolls. And if you control the swords, it was highest dice. So it's exactly the same, but it lost its damage. Yes. Does it? Uh, uh, did you still need to control the swords? Yeah, for highest dice, you needed to control swords. Okay, okay, okay. So it hasn't changed much. But it has changed because it's no longer self damage. Yeah, yeah. This Just is a straight buff. Um, probably a worthwhile buff. Yeah. Um, as in, like, this has gone. I would say it's you enough know, to get it from like... one yeah. of the worst cards in the deck to one of the best. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, I feel actually uh, those changes might not have been intended as much as only buffs, but also changing the faction identity a bit. It's weird you should say that, because their whole point was they're going to balance being on low health. And everyone went, that's an interesting idea. And then we all saw the stuff in the leaks and went, well, that's a shit idea. <laughs> and then it played out, and we all went, well, this is a shit idea. And... They've now gone, oh, well, we're changing it. Instead of managing your health pools, you're just going to be better. Right? So where's this whole balancing ranks and things gone? It's still there. You get buffs at low rank. Yeah, but where's the management of it? I don't give a shit if I get buffs at low ranks, if I'm just good anyway. Like, <laughs> um, it's. I agree. The, the identity has just completely shifted away from what they previously said that they had. Seems like a weird one to me. The identity now feels like it just falls within the the set of like it's just solid sustain. Yeah. Like your units in a lot of ways just counter they either don't get weaker or they have ways to get stronger as long as they can counteract their weaknesses, which is effectively like, hey, I mm -hmm. attack at full dice. See Caitlin, see other cards. You're effectively just saying, "I am a sustained faction. Like I am, I am what you want to be in constant combat with, or like your opponent doesn't want to be in constant combat with, because I'm always dangerous. I'm not Alpha Strike. I'm at my best at my best ranks. Mm -hmm. I'm at my best mid to low ranks, and you need to be scared of ever being engaged with me." I think it's, it's a good change. Uh, I don't really think there's much else we can say about this card, really, because mm -hmm. it's just so flat. Just it's just better, I think. Yeah, um, some people in chat yeah. saying because you don't because you only get rerolls at last rank, whereas you get rerolls automatically with the older version. Yeah, I can kind of see that maybe if that is the case. If you only get rerolls on your last rank, maybe it's not as good. But that's not that big a deal, I don't think necessarily. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sacrifice the wounds for the rerolls myself. Yeah. Because because 
the only time that you aren't getting rerolls now or at a time where you previously sacrificed wounds for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I'd keep it this way. Mm -hmm. Northern Ferocity also got, uh, I don't know even which card got a bigger buff. <laughs> yes. So Northern Probably Ferocity. Probably Northern Ferocity. That was the other one that did the self-wounds, right? Which was the one that gave you the vicious and extra panic damage. This one mm -hmm. is really interesting. Um, you get so Starch vicious. now can play Panic Meta. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is it, right? They didn't. They couldn't really play. It. I guess Great Axes could, but you didn't really see Great Axes very often. If I'm yeah. right in saying this, they have uh, they get vicious by default with Northern Ferocity, which is exactly yeah. the same as it used to do. They also now get plus two panic wounds if you're on your last rank. Before it was plus one if you're on one rank, or plus, sorry, plus two on one rank, or plus one if you're on two ranks. So it's now mm -hmm. just either all or nothing. Oh, okay, so it got worse in that. Kind of. Um, and it panics the enemy if you control swords, which yeah. I don't believe big. it used to do. It never used to do that. So it's a completely additional thing that it never used to do. So Vicious, yeah. plus two wounds so you... if you're on your last rank, and Swords gives panic. Same trigger, actually... same everything yeah. else. Same everything else. Uh, uh, actually, actually it's, pretty, uh, uh, it's an, uh, a pretty interesting combo, I think, uh, with the Direwolves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Carl, Carl, Carl just mentioned that, you know, current Shaggy. Current Shaggy looks very nasty. Um, Wolves only that... having one rank means that they both they benefit from all of the Winter's Might and Northern Frosty cards all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I think I think that the deck has moved up in a decent amount. Like they these two cards are the two cards that still share a trigger, right? Like they're still vying yeah. against each other, but. The difference is, is that you're not as concerned about that anymore because you are 100% going to play these cards when you have them. Before, it was a real genuine choice. Do I want to trigger my Stark Fury order? Well, no, because I never run Stark Spawn Swords anyway. But um, do I want to use this card and take the self-damage? Will it actually increase my damage output by one to two wounds, which I'm going to take for having used it? Whereas now you can just aggressively play these cards, aggressively cycle them because there are four of them in your deck. They don't share triggers with other things that used to share triggers with them. I think that it's a real big movement in the right direction for Starks. I still cannot say enough that I think that their viability at eight activations is more important than anything else. Like, forget all the other changes. The most significant change is having viable five-point units and having a good six-point unit that doesn't require um, to have attachments. Previously speaking, the only good units they had were effectively in the seven-point category because you took six-point units and you put a Mormont veteran in them. And now being able to field a couple of five-pointers instead gives you a whole four points to work with that could be a dire wolf that could be a whole different unit if you shave another point off elsewhere and that move from seven to eight is what makes or breaks a faction competitively speaking mm -hmm. uh question 
question for, uh, for you guys. What do you, uh, now that you saw the change in cards, what do you think of Sansa viability? Did it change your opinion? I think Did her ability. Okay. <laughs> Carlos, I know. I do think that Sansa's ability okay. to draw a card on activation from discard is going to be strong. I can see in my head, depending on the wording, that the wording here does matter. People in chat saying, is it destroyed ranks or is it one rank? Because if it's only if you're on one rank, you get this, or on your last rank, get this, then the dog's getting the benefit. Uh, if it it is says only, rank, one uh, one, only, only one rank. It yeah. doesn't say last. Yeah, so if it says only one rank and the dogs can benefit from these cards, which I do think is reasonable, the dogs should benefit. Yeah. Um, the important thing here for me is you can do an open swords play with Sansa with a dog to do a vicious and sundering attack with any of the dogs and it's plus two and plus two panic and you get a panic token on that that's huge because that is a massive you know even if you're only rolling three or four dice three or four dice on threes that's probably three or four hits wolves are often in the flank not always though but you got sundering you've got vicious you've got plus two wounds on the panic fail and they're panicked that's actually kind of dangerous. Like, that's starting to really threaten units that otherwise would feel quite safe from a dog attack. Um, mm -hmm. That plus two wounds is huge. I play there's too many, right? I play free folk. I know what it's like to double down on extra wounds on a unit. Carlo plays Lannister. He knows what it's like to go, and there's a big panic fail. You play Lannister as well, Peter. I can't think you can stress how useful that will be. Whether or not that combo alone pushes Sansa into... Actually, yeah, she she's gonna be my third NCU for that reason. I don't think she makes one or two. I think there's fringe play for three now. I really do, because of the power of these cards. But no, it really depends on the new. The problem is, it depends so much on neutrals, right? If Tycho's yeah, I mean, still like, so there's good, there's gonna be a neutral hero who's better than it. Probably, like yeah. I'm pretty sure Tycho gets uh, somehow nerfed. So, little, thing, little fingers are very, very, very good. Uh, NCU yeah, mental. I think, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, I think for Starks, little fingers, uh, one, uh, what is it? Uh, once in a game ability will be super important mm -hmm. to get that and, sword control. Yeah, and, 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 and I'd rather, I'd rather double down on that swords and grab Roderick anyway. Mm -hmm. To get like, the, uh, to get the. Vodka. Okay. You're talking about these tactics that like like suddenly like it's the be all to end all to go and get attack this card, which we've already played and discarded this game, right? Like if it was deck, then yeah, we'd be talking about this. Go and get a card on demand from deck. Yes, that's a huge assault orders play when your opponent like your opponent has to be aware of it any given time. Your opponent just has to look at your discard deck and go, Yeah, okay, well, they're the cards that I have to think about. They're not important. It's when are you gonna play assault orders? When are you gonna play these um these like opening sword gambit plays if it's not the initial first time you played them right so I... what you're basically saying is oh i can discard a card and draw one more card from my deck and i don't have to hold on to it i'm like i don't give a flying fuck yeah you could have just held that's the card it, you have the same yeah. effect but that is so you're well, better... Anza lets you draw one card so... in the game but the thing is is that one thing that starks don't have any is they don't have any card draw, right? And it's one thing that Starks have lacked. 
So giving Starks the ability but this to discard isn't draw. No, it's not. But it's they can discard cards. It's a very different thing. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Isn't the ability to go and get it on demand from deck? This no. is. I've already seen it. I've already used it or discarded it. Mm -hmm. In which case, why am I discarding it? You know. So basically, the only use, the only value, is I've already played this and I want to play it again. Right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about attack cards, which I already double up on. Yep. Like, I already have four of them in the deck. Yep. I'm unlikely to be needing them more often. And you're talking about, like, Assault Orders, which is an amazing card. Yep. But And you're talking about the specifics of an opening swords play. And it's like, well, you're going to play that one to two times per game. And you're talking about round two and four or three and five. And it's like, well, you will have seen most of your deck by then anyway. So well, I, think... I really think you're giving Sansa way, way, want... way more value than she has. I think the big oh, thing... Oh, we, is... oh, we won't see uh, round five anymore on the tournament games, I think. Well, we'll see. Because <laughs> uh, uh, now, like, cause now they want... Uh, like, uh, all the games will be freaking longer. Yeah. Oh, no, vice versa. I mean... Uh, we will see round uh, five. Basically, we won't see games ending before round uh, like we, we will probably like all tournament games will end prematurely even if we we'll play like for two hours um I i'm with carl if you've yeah. got good commander cards yeah then sansa has value but that's it like if there's specific okay. commander cards that you want again and again and again every round that's her value don't look for it in the base deck it's not there yeah. i do yeah think yeah like edward stark yeah, I, I do think you cannot, though, and one thing that Starks have really suffered with, really, really suffered with in this particular game at the moment, is they don't see enough of their deck to make impactful plays when they need to. And holding on, as much as it seems dumb, a Stark player holding on to one card in their hand is actually a massive, massive negative to the Stark player, because the chances are that they held onto it because it's a good card, but they aren't drawing enough through the deck because they have no other card draw mechanic. They can't get through the deck fast enough. So you actually, as a Stark player, I think one of the things people forget or don't do is you really need to just discard your hand basically every turn. Because even if you did that, you're still only going to see 18 cards, assuming you don't take letters once. You're going to want to take letters probably once or twice. But even so, you're only going to see Maybe it's 20, 22 uh, cards uh, at uh, most. Mickey, uh, Mickey, remind me, uh, uh, what were the Lannister drawing mechanic? Um, except yeah, I mean, two worst NCUs? Well, no, so you're the point like, is... Starks are like this unique thing that no. don't have a draw. Like, there, there are a couple of mechanics in the game that allow for draw now. And nobody can hold significant number of cards anymore. No. I just... Nah, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not selling me. Not, you're not, you're, you're no. trying to sell me. You're trying to sell me a, a bum deal here. If you're telling me that Sansa is some kind of super viable four point NCU, no, nah, I'm just saying she's she... still bottom of the pile. She's just not a mile away from all the other four pointers. You're now not just a shit list builder. If you think that she's good, you now are just taking an mediocre to poor choice rather than an obviously worst thing in the game 
Like, I would tend big to agree. Buff, massive buff, still bad. I would tend to agree. I just think that, like, she's in the discussion now as a. Th- I don't agree. I don't think she's replacing one or two slots for NCU's. But until we see the rest of the changes for four point NCU's, I still think she competes with Roderick as an option, rather than is just like categorically worse in every sense. Right? That's the difference. And Roderick is your third NCU in most cases, right? Not your second or first. Because first and second well, Tycho and Caitlyn and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, no, he's your fourth. Oh, well, yeah, fourth exactly. Probably fifth. your fourth. Yeah. He's your fourth or fifth. It, 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 right yeah. now, it's, it's Ned. Yeah. It's Caitlyn. Mm-hmm. It's Tycho. It's Littlefinger. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you might even say, oh, you know what? Caitlyn's so good. I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy Jacken for five. Like, you know, like, yeah. yeah, okay, he's a pretty niche, but, like, then you say, oh, is Roderick good enough? And we're saying Sansa, for me, still isn't even as good as Roderick. And yeah. I was like, great, you've now you've now reached the pinnacles of sixth best NCU. <laughs> Fair enough. It's all about trying to make, uh, understand okay, how we make things work. So, um, the, <laughs> the only other non-change uh, that we'll mention is the utter sadness, which is a sad point because it hasn't changed. Dogs still don't uh, trigger North remembers, so the North does not remember dogs. Which I don't know if they need that with all the other changes, but it kind of sucks. Like I still don't know why Starks don't have that with the dogs. Like every other quest card that we call them. Still gets benefits from like a solo dying, except the Stark one, and I don't know why. So what have we got? We we changed two tactics cards. All yep. the commanders, all the six commander cards stayed the same, right? Believe so. Believe so. We changed two of our three units. Yep. We changed one of our two attachments, one of our two um, NCUs. And we changed neither of our commanders, neither in their cards nor their attachment abilities. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with quite a bit more than 5%, but... <laughs> uh, I honestly you think can't call the cards. the kind of thing we can expect, expect across the board. I'm expecting close to somewhere or 50% of everything. Let's ignore tactics cards. You know, like, I don't think that that's... They are two totally different discussions i think that two change type discards cards from the deck is the extreme end of what we expect to see but other than that pretty much take a category 50 percent of the things in it will be changing is what i believe you're about to see from this rebalance patch well uh with lannisters in the start are really like two cards changed yeah i, I do know i do actually know that lannisters yeah. are less than that but i believe that when you looked at the if you look at the Lannister roster, the thing that they're gonna be looking to change are all the things that aren't in the starter set. They're gonna yeah. be looking to change red cloaks, poor fellows, they're gonna be looking to change crossbowmen, they're gonna be God, you hope they're looking to change crossbowmen, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Job but first. you know, they're they're gonna be looking to change nice uh, game brigands, surely, probably even warrior sons, because people complain about them, you know, like I, you're going to see a change to Knights of Castle Rock. Lance is going to change. Like, actually, suddenly we're like, well, we're actually talking about 75 to 80% of the Lance units. We're basically saying everything that's not a starter set is going to change. 
Um, but I think they said like five uh, percent of the cards. Well, this is not, the hard like, bit. Not yeah. all the units. Right. Let's let's just take a second. What does five percent really mean? Because we get too hung up on this idea of five percent. Like, I do think five percent. If you think of like literally everything they could change in the game, changing one number on a card that has ten numbers on it is a ten percent change of that card. If you do that with right. half the cards, technically that's a five percent change, and yet literally half the roster has seen a change. Um, but it's only five percent. But the thing is, no. is that it, is that five percent? No, but this is no. the thing. No, no, surely that's, that's not what they mean. Surely. What you said is five percent of the cards have changed. Right, but this is also indicating theme. indicating that ninety five percent of the faction pack that you've just bought because it just came out is still viable, worthwhile cards. I'll believe that when I see it. Because <laughs> I don't, I, I personally mean, believe they mean 5% of stuff that could change. What he said verbatim, but my impression was that what he was saying was, because it was in almost direct response to this a question, question about the faction packs. Yeah. Right? And... He didn't phrase it as 95% of your cards are still viable, but he inferred it as 5% have changed. Is that like when they inferred that Taunt would work on cavalry by explicitly saying it, and then immediately ruled just after it came out that it doesn't work on cavalry? Because that, I mean, can we really say what they say? I mean, I know it's picking at straws here, but actually I can very much believe they meant 5% of everything because they've been and said things like that before, and actually told the truth in very roundabout ways. Um, I do agree, though, it, you know, there isn't much change, but I do think it's going to be, if we assume that every change that happens on a thing counts as the card being changed, I do think it's going to be more than 5%. I do agree completely. I, I, think, I, think, the best way, I think the best way, in, in the best percentage light that you can possibly show it, is if you literally count the cards and see which ones like haven't had a change mm -hmm. which brings into you know like cuz cuz he literally cuz he literally mentioned that there are multiples of a certain card right yes and it so, counts it counts multiple of a certain card he was saying right right yeah exactly <laughs> so what we're saying is is we're talking about the fact that like the only way we're going to come back close to this 5% is the fact that almost no tactics cards change yes. and that they make up a very large number, very large percentage of the total count of the cards in the, in that pack, right? Yep. So you're basically saying there's a whole load of tactics cards, almost none have changed, and I'm going to count all of that as cards that haven't changed. But actually, as I've said, I think that when you look at unit changes... Attachment changes, cards that we think of as cards, or, you know, like, cards being changes to the game, changes to the meta, we're talking about 50%. 33 to 50% in my mind. One third to, a, to half of everything, we'll, 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 see, we'll, see, we'll see adaptation. I like uh, the Tom's message in chat, by the way. 5% is what we have shown you today. The other 45% will be revealed later. Made. <laughs> um, and also Martin, uh, who you know, uh, just simply says those guys haven't got a clue. <laughs> like, you know, and it wouldn't be, you know, 
it wouldn't be the first time that we look at percentages given to us from Simon and go, that ain't right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, fair enough. Um, should we look at, should we very briefly look at Lannisters? Uh, Peter, I know you're a Lannister fan and I know Carlo is obviously a Lannister fan. So shall I just leave yeah. you guys to it? Yeah. We can look at one card. Because <laughs> the other one we discussed already. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. when you when you talk about the Sworn Sword change, I'm really sad about the Mountains Men change. Like, I I think the Sworn Swords beat Mountains Men. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did completely. I think they're uh, just a better unit. I, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, I I I think that they better not change like the uh, only change like Mountain Men to five points and not change their their uh, their rules and even then, or did both like I. Uh, anyway, for guards captain, I can semi see uh, their use if you're trying to counter dragons with Lannisport City Watch, but then it's a seven point unit. So what, what's our what's our actual ability now? Oh no, what, it's what, uh, uh, So uh, the actual new ability is the changed yeah. or new ability of um, yeah. you lose iron resolve. From the guard captain, but yep. you gain and you get fan ability. The the fen ability that we saw from yep. the leaks in the stream. So the two hits plus one for each rank you have when you activate on an engaged enemy. So four to five hits into a dragon. I mean, okay, but I'd rather put mountain and get two auto wounds. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not a lancer player. You know, I've played a little bit last this is true. Um, and I, I don't think uh, Mother of Dragon would be that kind of an issue to to specifically counter draft for it. There is, and I, Ilya's kind of right, but the thing is, is this worth seven points? I don't know. If Red Cloaks remain unchanged, you could activate the Red Cloaks. You could do the hits, which could be two, uh, sorry, three, four, or five hits, depending on your ranks. You could then do mm -hmm. an action, which generates a panic test, uh, and then like attack, and then obviously go. You can, if you both are quite high wounds, probably quite reliably kill something that's quite squishy. Um, but if you're at high wounds and you're a six unit into a combat with a four unit and you're still at max health as a red coat unit, yeah, you probably won that fight anyway. So I don't really see that changing it. Um, for one point, I feel like hold the line is probably a one point ability, but the problem is is that it's a attachment one point ability, so you never. Pay and, for and, it. and the uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the other it. problem, uh, uh, the problem with it is that you need to be uh, in contact with enemy, and red cloaks are quite squishy at uh, at uh, at four points. So I don't expect them to be at full ranks if you're being charged. No. Yeah, like I don't, I don't get why people uh, do the math, right? It's on activate, right? And you must already be engaged. Yeah. Ask yourself, how often do you do that? You do it like, three or four times very, a game across right? all your units. Three or four like, times a game. A unit will do it once a game. Probably. Normally, okay. uh, when you act, when 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 you begin engaged, you take swords, and that's not activation, so you don't get to use it then, 
right? The only time is when you're letting things charge you and you activate back, right? So now we're talking about four hits, not five hits. Mm-hmm. The the amount of times that you use it is low. When you activate, you nearly always do it because you're charging. You're not beginning engaged. It's crap. Like <laughs> the, the, the maths of it is crap. The only reason that people like it is because they think that it moves their unit into this position where suddenly, like, I'm just going to blow stuff up. And I see that. Just take Warcry. Warcry uh, works uh... every turn in long range, three, four, five times a game, and two tokens does as much damage as these four hits will do for you. Uh, Belisario says it could go in Halberds. I don't think uh, on hits you get an ability from units, so those hits won't get Sundering. Uh... And, and no uh, one the, uh, helmet anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the other. Uh, uh, what's the other uh, uh, point? Uh, I think maybe if you're specifically counter drafting, uh, if you're if you're specifically counter drafting hardened, and hardened doesn't get nerfed. Yeah, this does navigate hardened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine those. Yeah. Imagine those. Um. What is it? Uh. Imagine those. Uh. Or um. What is it? Mormont veteran. Veteran in berserkers on the last rank. You're probably gonna kill them. The... Jesse's Jesse's right in this sense, and I'll give Jesse. You know, I think he's right in that for one point, it's probably just straight better than Iron Resolve. Because it's something that does something tangible that you can put somewhere that has a role. Whereas Iron Resolve is just kind of like generic. It's a good buff, Iron Resolve. Not taking that away, but you don't pay a point to just put Iron Resolve somewhere. Whereas I can imagine you putting playing a point for this. I don't think this is a one-point ability. I think it's not far away from it. I think it might be a point seven five, like three quarters of a point. But mm-hmm. I don't see this as a one-point ability. And I still think, as Carlos in Warcry is just straight up better for one point. Like, every time, Warcry is better. I think Free Folk, when we talked about this with the Thens, Free Folk get around this because of coordination tactics. So you can put it on another unit, so you get to use it on that unit that's engaged. So, if if Lannis has had coordination tactics, and okay, yes, the, the ridiculousness of all the other combos, let's ignore those for a moment, but if Lannis has coordination tactics where they could activate a unit that was engaged nearby and go actually i'm taking that hold the line from them and i get to do some bonus hits i think lannisters would be like yeah i might look at including this this might be useful for me to get around things like what is dead may never die hardened things like that as a tech piece it might fit but i don't see it just going in a unit when you've got other better choices at one that's the problem I don't know. All right, are we I'm, done with Lannisters? You're not buying it. <laughs> I'm like, why? Again, we're back. Like, I'll take another unit, thanks. Yeah, well, one point attachments we already know. Or better unit. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah, you know, uh, you know, just fuck your guardsmen. I'll have the red cloaks, please. I'll, I'll have your Lannisport. I'll have your Lannisport instead. I'll, I'll have, I'll have 
something else, right? right there are with this. Yeah. there are there are better there are better ways to spend a point, and there aren't many points in the game, and this isn't enough. It's best use actually. the The best thing that it can do is if you somehow manage to activate your unit, and the activation and these auto hits kill your opponent, and you then get a new charge off of it. But yeah. like. That's a very risky activation. Like you can't be sure that they're gonna fail those those that damage unless this unit is already just like one wound or something like that. I don't, you know, <laughs> Viscus says like, oh, what about my Reavers charging into this Guardsman unit with this unit? Well, that's a five point unit charging a six point unit that has all of its defensive abilities turned on. It's like, well, why are you charging them? You're faster than them. You cost less than them. Charge anything else. Yeah. I mean, I can still use the the miniature for a different pose. <laughs> That's what I do with my guards, captains. Fair, fair. It has a place. It's not trash to on the shelf. I'm not buying it. The question, the actual question. Right, and I think this is better, rather than will it have a place, and will it get played, or anything like that, because people play everything, right? Um, is this better than its old ability, Iron Resolve? Yeah. Because, as we've seen with the theme of these changes, is, as the theme of these changes has been minor improvements, if it's a minor improvement, and a step into a direction that is interesting, then they have achieved the goal, right? And okay. I think it's an achieving the goal. I mean, the, the one point guard captains would literally never played. Like, they, they'd literally, like, almost unplayed. This might see more play. And if it sees more play, have they not achieved what they wanted to achieve? Oh, it might not even be better. But I can see it being picked more. Yeah, okay. More you know people why? will pick it. Do you know why I more think... people will be trapped into playing it? Yes. Do you know why I think people will pick it actually? And it's a theme I've seen of a lot of these things, is that it's not complete and utter garbage against trash tier units. Things like trappers, you know, uh, any four point unit on the board basically. If it gets in engaged with this unit and is like, oh well, I'm just going to stand engaged with this. This can activate and go actually has four hits, and that's probably going to be two, three, four wounds. Um, actually, uh, actually, uh, this ability might be better than the attack of guardsmen. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it straight up is better than the attack of guardsmen yeah. because you're talking four to five hits, whereas the guardsman profile will well, generally net you about three hits, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, but then you also get a panic test. Yeah, you yeah, don't get the panic test. True, but like. That's why maybe. <laughs> you got it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta score a wound first, Peter. <laughs> True, yeah. Yeah. Um, my doggos will have to keep an eye. On this I too, attacked guys. with, uh, yeah, yeah. I attacked with guardsmen. The, uh, um, what are they called? Uh, the warrior sons. Mm -hmm. Actually, I killed half of the unit because the Ruth Bolton was there, and they exposed the flank. Uh, Abyskius says an interesting one. If everyone gets good but not crazy attachments, maybe more will dabble with alternate build rules. 
No. <laughs> oh, I'm you. Uh, now you've been now you've been trapped twice. <laughs> Once, you activated the trap of using the alternate rules, and then you activated the trap of buying this guy with your alternate list building points. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, sure, sure. I do it, like all these things. You know, just to summarize it, I do think that this change is a good change. In that, I think it they clearly identified something that was. To put it bluntly, a piece of shit. And they've given it a new ability to see if it will breathe new life into it. That's a fine change in my book. If it's still shit, it's still shit. But at least they've gone, there was something bad, let's change it. So, yep. okay. all, all of that side, I'm on board with. I don't, yeah, I'm on board with you. what you guys are saying, though. I don't think it's good. It's just the right Lannister, Lannisters sit on my shelf because completed it mate do you know what i mean like it's like there's there's nothing really interesting going on with lannisters right now in my mind um the the list builds have been explored to death um and and the community incredibly quickly came to understand the value of poor fellows red cloaks played men maybe hedge knights into specific you know non-panic based builds uh but still you're talking about poor fellows backing them up um the options are limited and few the ncus are continuously the same thing their commanders are almost continuously the same thing um and yeah you can field other things but it is known and shown to just be less good right and 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 as a player who likes to explore the competitive side you know and and i, and I do mean explore you know come up with new and interesting list builds recently like uh, there was like kind of sub variant uh, which showed up which i think is interesting so um uh, and, and i tried it and uh, it's uh, it's not entirely a new unit uh, but it's uh, Jamie uh, uh, Kingsguard in Poor Fellows. Wow. So you're telling me that that unit that we spam, you're now going to put an attachment in, like game break. Like, okay, sure. It, if to you, this is like an entirely new new concept that yeah. like you're going to like lean on ex to expert duelist. Um, Okay. It's like, like an advancement yeah, sure. Sure. in uh, in competitive chess, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a new line right in, in this opening, like after the, after fifteenth turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can just swap the turn order, and this is wow, like a big, a bit different. But 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 to me, as a long time Lannister player, mm -hmm. the the list building is uninteresting. Um, it, it's very quickly solved as to what is, you know the short and it is a very short list in lannisters of what is viable um and these changes i understand that it's only base set stuff but point is is that base set stuff currently sees no use right and that's one of the things that makes them yeah. so frustrating as a faction um these changes do not make me want to get lannisters off the shelf and try something new i'm just like right agreed okay yeah and and um as they say in chat jamie deserved a little something the attachment variant not the commander the attachment right 
No, I think the commander, Commander Command Jamie. Commander, okay. commander Jamie. Well, commander, commander has like a perfect elo, like a, it's around zero. <laughs> He's balanced. <laughs> yeah, in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, the Lancaster faction didn't need a lot of changes. It is, it is currently very, very balanced, very central. It's not doing Probably. terribly, it's not doing great. But the the internal balance, the internal yeah, balance yeah. of the faction is shot to shit. Yeah. And 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 I don't see these things addressing that. Um I see status quo and I see Lannisters becoming a very boring faction. Um and I when as I play more and more and more of the other factions, I become less and less and less interested in Lannisters, despite them being my first main and most played by a significant margin faction. I'm just not interested in them anymore because they are pretty cutty, cookie cutter boring. I do actually think it's super interesting, just so people are aware. And I know our stats over uh, the power rankings for the units aren't the most perfect thing in the world to compare, but it is extremely interesting to go and have a look. And I recommend you all do this. Within the top three, we see, to no bloody surprise, poor fellows making up number three. Flayed men, which are basically a Lannister unit at this point, coming in at number two. Tycho, who's NCU for everybody, comes in at number one. And then you see the Champion of Faith in at six. They're all top Lannister picks. You then go to the bottom of the list, and the three rated worst units in the game. Guardsmen, Mountainsmen, and Halberdiers. So they have basically the top cookie cutter units, two of which aren't even like local uh, to them, and an attachment which is considered very strong. And then they've got a bunch of crap. And the crap is crap. It doesn't win. And the good stuff is good. It wins. Um, Carlo's right in saying that it's cookie cutter, in that obviously I mean, it's not as simple as arguably... that. But... Okay. Like for for a ruse build, you do need a unit of guardsmen. Maybe. Maybe. Exciting times. Yeah. We might as well talk about the fact that, like, oh, in in a mother of dragons list, you get to pick what unit mother of dragons goes in. <laughs> it's like, right, brilliant. Mother of dragons is also incredibly boring. Twenty one points are spent for you when you first start. You know what? So are Lannisters. 20 points are spent for you. It's called Poor Fellows, Poor Fellows, Flayed Men. <laughs> add add the rest of the 20 to your choice. 12 of them are going on NCUs because they are by far the most heavily into like three NCUs is a great choice in, in, in my opinion at least kind of faction that's out there. I, yeah, like I, I don't yeah, you're right. You know, like they, they don't they don't need changes competitively speaking, but they need changes to make the faction interesting, to make the faction have good viability and good life and good longevity. I'm very glad that I'm not a Lannister only player because I think that they're a very stale faction. Um they I, I do expect that the majority of their changes come from units that we haven't seen yet. As I said, I expect that nearly all their other units will change, and presumably they will make me want to go and have a, another go with the faction. But not if it's and all nerfed, because... Uh, uh, I, uh, I think, uh, yeah, what is it? 
sorry for cutting you. Uh, I think the change in the rules might also prompt some list building changes because all of a sudden aggressive commanders will be more uh, more effective and maybe like uh, the combinations of uh, of uh, the commanders uh, with high performing units uh, would be more effective. It wouldn't be the best choice to put your commander in a unit of poor fellows and just sit behind. I'm I've still... just, I've just, a totally different subject. I've just thought, do you know, what, do you know, do you know where five percent of cards change comes from? Go on. It, it, mm. If you also count all the card backs not changing, then, uh, <laughs> then that's five, then, then that's probably a five percent change. Yeah, all the card backs. <laughs> okay. All the card backs are still the same. So what we're actually talking about is print area. How much of that's changed? Got five percent of print area is actually a massive change. Um, right, so. Um, I will kind of summarize that, you know, Alliance is not changing. I do think, I still think it's up to the debate and I'm still not certain that aggressive commanders will be better. A lot of people say aggressive commanders are going to be better in the new meta. I'm not so convinced. I don't know why aggressive commanders got significantly better outside of the way that you score points. And usually a lot of the best aggressive commanders weren't actually the commander attachments themselves that made them aggressive, it was their card packages that made them aggressive. So I don't think, I mean, is Mance going to be worse because aggressive commanders are better? No. Mance is still just Mance, really good. No, no but, but, like, uh, but Tyrion's but still going to be really good. Tyrion doesn't uh, get yeah, worse. But, uh, mountain, uh, mountain will, uh, will be really good. Why? Uh, uh, why? Uh, because he doesn't have yeah, like, to, uh, like, to what, stay, what is the to change stay on that the objective. Suddenly makes him really good because he doesn't have to stay uh, still. Yeah, he doesn't. He can. Uh, he can go and kill stuff. I mean, he could do that already. Yeah, and you have more time. Uh, well, you have more time to kill stuff. Right, but that's the change that matters. You have more time. That doesn't matter about aggressive commanders it matters about units and the way that you play the game out the commander choice yeah still but, uh, but that commander. means uh, no 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 but, but that means you will be more often winning the games by killing stuff rather than camping on objectives maybe and I'm to kill stuff sold. you need aggressive com com we'll see I'm, I'm not sold personally um controversial contra controversial point tournaments will go to time and it will still be won by who controlled the objectives. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe your games won't go to time. Maybe you have loads of time to play. You know, all these things. Like, but I, I think that um, when you when you go to your games club and you got three hours to play, yes, the amount of stuff that you kill might might be really important. But I don't think that. Um, we will have just lowered the score, the total score of the game, and the game will continue to basically go to time, which is what I find a lot of tournament games already do. Um, which you know, uh, the th the change I would like to see, the change, the change that I really hope for is that a commander doing something assertive now scores actively more points because I don't want us to just have a slower game. I don't want us to ju just lose commanders on objectives. Now only score one point. Want commanders 
who actively do something to score bonus points, similar to their role in Clash of Kings. Like uh, like Fire and Blood style? Yeah, Fire and Blood, maybe. Fire and Blood's fine as well, yeah. Yeah, those two rules. Clash of Kings, if you, do, if you kill something yourself, you get mm -hmm. a point. Fire and Blood commanders are there putting out an, a point every turn when they activate both. Both basically say your commander's unit themselves are still an important piece in your army. They're still a very key part to the way you play the tactics, similar to in control-based objectives, which is like, it's very important where my commander is and that he is controlling an objective. It's just a more, it's more interesting and assertive and dynamic gameplay if that aspect of tactics isn't how can I best defend this commander unit sat in the corner doing nothing, if it's how can I best utilize this unit aggressively and in the mix. But, um, you know, that's what I hope for. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe there's any indication that that is actually going to be true, but I just hope because what they said is that they said that game modes are going to change. Like, and an example they gave was that commanders won't be scoring two points anymore a turn for sitting on objectives. Mm -hmm. um, lastly, I will cover it because it's there, but just mm -hmm. making sure everyone knows, they did actually re release a neutral printout as well uh, for 2021-2022 balance change. Um, and the neutral printout has had no changes to it because they're all 2021 cards, no 2021 sts whatever s zero ones right but we are assuming that we are looking at non-base set stuff so we have no reason to believe that they would have changed no um i don't know why they gave them the neutral thing like that just confuses me why give them the neutral folder yeah if, you, if none of that's in the start of two player set but like uh, I, th I, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 like, like, I have a feeling that they kind of reissued cards for everything that came out during Kickstarter. Oh, maybe. Okay. Seems a bit weird. Which though. is super weird, but, uh, but, 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 but I guess this is, like, the only heuristic that no, it uh, falls into. I have to disagree. Um, you're definitely talking about Lannister Crossbows. You're definitely talking about Knights uh, of Castle Rock. You're definitely but they, talking about... Yeah, but they, they, were they, were, they were in the file. They were in the file. They're in the file, they're just not changed. Okay. So they've, just, they've given them the, the whole old file with some of the new right. stuff. So they've given you an old, mm. like the, the new 2021 file for neutrals with no changes. Okay. Because it was okay. in the file yeah. of the original release, which seems weird. It just seems really stupid. In uh, my uh, head, and I think in neutrals, the, uh, there aren't Bolton Blackguards. To support my point. Oh yeah, there aren't. It's only the three original yeah. Bolton units. Mm, very astute. Just seems weird. It literally just is super weird. Uh, Lee Teddy's also right. Um, what do we think about the impending change to Varus? Because Varus changes at every given opportunity. Uh, we haven't seen anything Varus change. Uh, and of course, nothing has been announced with Varus change. But anyone who's listening in or watching now, um, in case you don't know, Varus has changed quite literally at every balance change they've ever released um outside of the only other unit that has seen an equal number if not more changes flame men flame men <laughs> uh make them 10 points make them eight points give them eight dice give them four dice give them crypt low give take away crypt low give them crypt low back uh take you know whatever crypt 
Flavemen have literally had every ability under the sun, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Flavemen used to have Embolden. I'm 90% sure Flavemen used to have Sundering. Um, in fact, if you go back far enough, Flavemen used to have another special ability called Hold the Line, which is when they activate, they do hits based... No, I'm just memeing at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We'll leave that there for changes and things, though. Thank you very much, Peter. And we'll move on to the last thing that Peter wants to engage us with uh, before I can send him away and me and Carla have to carry the rest of the show, uh, you know, casually three hours. Um, it's the Warsaw Open, which happened this weekend, just gone. Uh, a 14-player Polish event um, that happened, strangely enough, in Poland, uh, in Warsaw. Um, it's basically the closest that we've had to an attempt at creating a national tournament, right? Um, yeah. I... It didn't get the player kind of pull that you perhaps was originally wanted. Um, I know you had uh, a lot I of people. I, I, I think we didn't have anybody coming from uh, from uh, from outside of Warsaw and the closest surroundings. Mm -hmm. Which is obviously, uh, I mean, uh... yeah, a little bit of a shame. But what can you do? Not everyone turns up to events, right? And I know there are a lot of people, like there was like five or six people who were, said they were going to come in but couldn't make it um, on the day, which kind of sucks as well. But how did it go? Was it a good event? Did you enjoy it? Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially the first day when I, st I still had a chance to, uh, to win in mm -hmm. uh, before I miserably failed. Uh, especially uh, like my favorite game was the third one mm -hmm. uh, uh, against Nightwatch because it was a very unusual roster uh, that my opponent had and because it was a massive comeback like I, uh, uh, I, I sort of like I was like oh just one NCU like but I forgot <laughs> it's like one NCU Nightwatch list <laughs> Man's, uh, man's yeah, 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 exactly. That's what happens to you. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, so. Um, <laughs> Sorry, can I just uh, point out? Can I just point out? Yeah. Fucking Night's Watch. This is a one NCU list, which still yeah. has nine activations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, everyone and, else. <laughs> Go on. And also like, uh, and also like uh, a, f a fucking watch marshal that nobody uses, and he was pretty, uh, like, pretty brutal with boldness and courage. Like, you get like nine attacks uh, all of a sudden, and uh, I, I have like no ways of uh, killing him. And uh, it was, uh, it was pretty of a miracle comeback because I was uh, uh, like, I lost two units. And then, uh, and then was able like to uh, to win. Before uh, I lost two before like uh, before my opponent losing any of his. Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, I think Jamie was like uh, was uh, was an MVP there, frankly, because he killed one of the watch captains, reducing the activation number and boldness and courage, and then killed the the commander. So. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, so my opponent couldn't score the point, so I had uh, uh, I, I had enough like uh, opportunity to uh, uh, like to, uh, to not lose by point. Uh, and yeah, uh, that was uh, uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, I love those swinging games, and I love those games where actually stuff get killed. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Pavel in the chat says that there were um, 
heavy night watch restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, Relentless yeah, melee uh, only, uh, only one attached card for night watch. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, then there was a third restriction that uh, Mother of Dragons doesn't reduce their cost. Oh wow! Okay. That makes a lot more That's sense. Why we see no Targaryen winners and no Nightwatch winners. winners. Yeah, There's and we no, see no. No, mate. We see free folk. We take one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so basically, like, uh, uh, basically in that case, like, uh, just uh, free folks totally dominate. Uh, also, like uh, we had like pretty good players who were playing uh, free folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, uh, I mean, uh, um, uh, the, that also adds to it. Uh, but things like that, I have felt that uh, when I played with free folk, is that I really hope uh, the um, what is it? Uh, the uh, insignificant will go because it's a it's a rule that uh, I mean I was playing the fourth game with Marsara uh, it was uh, Feast for Crows and I was super excited like Lannister against Free Folk Feast for Crows like uh, there we go my best chance uh, uh, and then what I didn't realize is that well it was like I think. Um, the second in 10 games that I played for Fist for Crows where we didn't forget about placing the uh, corpse piles. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that killing uh, uh, what I didn't realize and what was a good play from him, but which was a very kind of uh, 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 negative play experience, is you kill a unit of free folk and this is beneficial for them because they yep. just... Put a corpse pile in in their back and take the uh, uh, the VP. Yep. And I mean that's I, I actually, why I, I think it's that Feast of Crows is quite a problematic game mode in its in its current iteration in general. Never never mind with insignificant. Insignificant just yeah. highlights an issue which already exists in general, which is is that um, mm-hmm. mo almost every faction chooses to play a, a paired asymmetrical deployment. And you move forward and control your own objective with your commander, and then whoever kills the first unit is now in the bad position because their opponent now turtles away from them, controlling two objectives while they are left trying to force through. Um, and it's always much much easier to play that defensive position than it is to play the aggressive position. But it's... you know that's that's kind of an aside. And 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 free folk do it best because they can throw insignificant units in the way continuously continuously yeah. and they don't even take the one vp loss for tr- for that trade um but i think the event's very interesting to look at as a whole um mm-hmm. simply mm-hmm. because five rounds we see a, a not a single yeah. undefeated player we see exactly we see losses from every player and i do actually think that that makes for a very very interesting tournament that makes for a very mm-hmm. interesting um you still have a shot for a win even if you lose a game yeah 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 um and uh and and yeah i think that's actually really great obviously it basically requires for squiss it requires you to have more rounds than there are needed for players and most places want to have as many players as their rounds allow that their time allows 
But I do think that, that there is real interest and scope for people running five or six in the, you know, I mean, five in this case, six in generally speaking, very manageable across a two day period, people running five or six right. round events, mm -hmm. despite only having 20, 30 players, which in, you know, in actual numbers says you only need four rounds, but running that fifth and sixth round can really give everybody a chance in the top half to have a shot at the person who's currently undefeated. And I think that um, makes for a much more interesting and exciting event. I like it specifically because I feel it navigates what we currently see in the, the, the meta as somewhat of a problem in that it mitigates a bad matchup, right? If To put it right. bluntly, we already know Night's Watch are very strong. We already know Targaryens are very strong. If you get matched up against a Night's Watch or Targaryen round one in an open event where you're both coming in undefeated, you know, two players, you can only mm -hmm. assume you're going to fight play against an average player and you're facing against a faction against like Night's Watch or Targaryen and you're running something like Starks, you're probably just out of the event. Like round one, you're just done. You know what I mean? And that's not true in all yeah. cases. But in a lot of cases, that happens. People just come up against a Night's Watcher or a Targaryen opponent in round one, and they lose. And I could say that's true of, like, Baratheons having to face Night's Watch in round one. Or, sorry, uh, Baratheons facing Free Folk in round one. Or Baratheons facing Lannisters in round one. Or Neutrals having to face either of these things in round one. Or Greyjoys. Baratheons you know. facing anything but Baratheons in round one. <laughs> I know, right? But, like, when that matchup comes in at the round one, where you haven't had any opportunity to really, like, do anything... And you're stuck, especially given the polarizing nature of Othal being like, it really is like almost an auto win um, against certain factions. Obviously, it's, it's never that simple, but it does mitigate that. It means, oh, shit, I drew, I'm a Brathian player and I drew into Mother of Dragons and I didn't draw good cards. But it doesn't matter that I lost that game because I'm still in contention to win if I can still get the luck and things later on in the tournament. And that's good. Um that's always a good thing because the matchups are so polarizing in a more closely contested field. If we assume that 2022 fixes the balance issues and nothing stands out, let's pretend that we're there and all eight factions are balanced and perfectly kind of like equal. Um, you wouldn't need those extra rounds in most cases because there wouldn't, there wouldn't be good and bad matchups you'd hope, but the game's not like that. And it does mitigate that. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a really good thing. I think that having somebody who makes it to top tables, even with one loss, because I've had that opportunity to try and recover and get back, is a good thing, in my eyes. Yeah, well, it's uh, not what technically happened uh, no. here, because I think Barsara just, just lost the last game. Yeah, yeah. whatever. But Korax, um, uh, so he played against... Um, he played against... Uh, Korax in the last round. Free fall. Yeah. And Korax had lost a game as his first game. You know, which, again, he played into Karl Drogo as a Targaryen player and he lost it. But he still made it to the top table for the last round because he was the next best player on the list and he got a win. And because of that win, he ended second in the event. You know, he didn't win the event because he didn't overtake Masara because of secondaries. But he gave him a win and that was all he needed. You know? If Korax can get a slightly better margin of victory against Furioku or Masara in that last game, he actually wins the event. You know. Uh, the, uh, the other thing uh, about scenarios, 
just like for Feast for Crows, the reason why I dislike it, uh, dislike this rule about corpse pile, is not even uh, how it's implemented, but that you always forget about it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Like there are more games where I forgot it uh, than I, I I remembered, and that's really frustrating. Uh, than you uh, think of it like uh, two uh, uh, two rounds later. Uh, the other uh, mode, uh, like the first uh, the first game uh, which we had, uh, we had like uh, here we stand. Mm-hmm. And uh, people and 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 people were oh okay reroll or um, but at the same time we were like oh but it wasn't like in the uh, in the rules of tournament so we can uh, should play whatever and thing about it I played this mode twice in my life both on the tournaments mm-hmm. I win both games and I hate it I mean mm. uh, the game was uh, d- don't get me wrong the game was great. Because um, I uh, met a very skillful Targaryen player, and I had a list specifically built against Khal Drogo, uh, and it totally worked. So, uh, so I had this feeling, but I had bad feelings about the the mode itself. Uh, one thing that I particularly hate is that um, uh, is that uh, basically. I'm playing this like arithmetic game, like uh, competitive knapsack uh, game of NCUs, like uh, starting round two uh, or three, and uh, it was especially like funny with uh, um, uh, actually like I doubled down on Tywin NCU because now all of a sudden I can just bombshell like six points to any quarter I, I want. And mm-hmm. I don't need him on. Uh, I really don't need him uh, on the tactics board. No, I yeah, just need his uh, one of ability. So he's perfect for for this game mode. It came up, Carlo, recently, right, where you taught it talking about um, here we stand. I think it came up in a conversation earlier today, in fact. Um, yeah, I mean, I played I played here we stand last Friday. Yeah, uh, I actually enjoyed it, but I mean, I had like three hours to play, so. Like I enjoyed it because I had three hours, and we just sat and we chatted and we could count a bit and you know think about it a bit and it's interesting. It it feels very casual. Everything just comes back. Nobody ends up that far behind. You know, you you lose some units, you put them back on. Everybody get everybody gets to play with their toys, even if they get alpha striked off the board, they just come back again. But like. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want that in a tournament. I don't want that an hour and a half, and I don't want that to be. Um, so it, I also think that it's so polarizing for list building as well, um, for the reasons that Peter just said about mm-hmm. NCU costs being so important, um, and uh, and yeah, I, I don't think that it's positive for a tournament myself. Um, I've taken the choice to not include it in the past. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't avoid. I wouldn't be like, "Hey, you're running. You're running. Hear me stand. I'm not playing in your event." Like, yeah. My my stance nah. is nowhere near that kind of level. Just that if I'm gonna say, "Hey, what what's gonna help me run a good event?" Hear me stand is not at not near the top of it at all. It, it's fire and it's blood, a I guess. very short list of we should not include this if we can can avoid it. 
Would Fire and Blood make the cut then as well, potentially as being one of the ones that you're less inclined to take? But above uh, less that... inclined, but I'll take Fire and Blood over it yeah. straight away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, my problem with Fire and Blood, like you have uh, different uh, cost, uh, uh, d different like uh, differently uh, priced NCUs, and then all of a sudden, okay, I'm the, the defender, you're the attacker. Yeah, yeah, that is a problem. I agree. Um, you know, you've mitigated admittedly, but uh, yeah, Tom says I'd happily. Oh, play but it boosts it, uh, a Fire and Blood boosts uh, two NCU builds. It does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nah. And it boosts, <laughs> uh, uh, what is it, uh, Uber units uh, uh, um, and not having like filler units, kind of. So yeah. it's, good from, it's good from that perspective. Yeah. It, it does some way to try and level it out. It, I don't think it does enough. Uh, I'm, on, I'm, I'm with Tom on this one. You'd happily play Game of Thrones and Honed and Ready three times a piece in a six-round event. And I'm not that far away from agreeing with him. I don't think that Honed and Game of Thrones are... I think Game of Thrones might be a little bit unbalanced um, in favour of certain types of builds. But I think Honed and Ready does it quite well. Uh, I think Honed and Ready is generally nah, speaking... I, I, have to, I have to disagree. You're, you're coming at that from the stance of a you're pair of armies. Yeah. A pair of armies which absolutely massively play into and dominate area-based control. Yeah, I agree. Like, Completely. You have to be including three central objective modes in your in your selection. You can you can play the same two over and over again, but they cannot, without a doubt, be the two modes that have five objectives. Otherwise you are massively skewing the game towards factions that can put lots of four-point units on the board. And the game is already dominated by those factions. Yeah. Yeah, strangely enough, it would be Night's Watch, it would be Free Folk, it would be Lannisters, it would be, to some extent, Targaryens, because the way that they play the game doesn't really matter about those things. But they would suffer. Targaryens would probably suffer slightly. Um, and it would be Greyjoys. And Baratheons Actually, would be yeah. absolutely oh. sad as fuck. I mean, they already are, but... Uh, for 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 Lannister, uh, I would I would argue that Honed Ready might not be the preferred uh, scenario to play because I mean you can it can get risky to put poor fellows on the mm -hmm. on those side uh, spots. Yeah, I mean I, 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 you, I, <laughs> I, I, I yeah I totally I I totally like uh, strike you twice and. Uh, Probably you're not getting that many uh, that many faith tokens to heal. Yeah, um, I do think Marwan's right. You know, with the list, uh, you know, kind of going into a little bit on game modes a little bit here, but um, the Darkwing's Dark Words is a really good mission. I think more people should play it. I I actually think Darkwing's Dark Words is very good. It's open missions. There's none of this hand size that you have to understand. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't like Winds of Winter because actually, yeah. it's not a it's not a major thing, but Winds of Winter is a skill check in choosing the missions for your hand and knowing yeah, the missions your that? opponent is going to pick. Now, I like that. What's wrong with that? No, I I don't think that's a problem. I enjoy that, but I think for some players, you can almost lose the game at that stage 
and in the nicest possible sense it's really hard to tell somebody like you just pick shit missions pick better missions next time for your list you still want to feel like the game obviously has an impact now i'm not saying the game doesn't have an impact but it does feel that that way can be the, that way with dark uh, sorry winds of winter whereas dark winds dark words i think is brilliant it's why, open, are we, why, are we why are we afraid of things that check whether or not somebody's good at the game I'm not afraid of that. Like, like why are we? Yeah, but why? Why are we afraid of these things? Like, why are we afraid of a thing that says, "Do you understand more, more about like the of the subtle dynamics of this game than your opponent? Mm -hmm. uh, do you, do you, are you so good at this game that you can predict what your opponent will do? Like, mm -hmm. you can even predict what missions that they will pick without having to see them. Why are they not positive traits that should be encouraged? No, they like, should be encouraging. And 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 and, and I bring into reference that i think that the five objective missions skill wise became a lot less skillful once players started not placing the objectives themselves yes i, I, I think that the X, yeah. yeah it speeds things up yeah it, it it makes it better better as a beginner experience yes um the the idea that an objective would be placed right in the corner and then held by you know xyz unit a dog or whatever back in 1.6 was like what happened is um you know can, has its extreme point at which people are like oh that's negative but the understanding and the way that you could choose to play backfield objectives you could choose to front load the objectives in the center of the field you could even choose to make the battlefield asymmetrical so that you can choose to load them onto one side or the other to offset the fact that you might want to be an attacker or be a defender whereas your opponent just wants to play in the midfield all of these things gave you more checks and more ways for you to counteract what is otherwise a luck or a list build matchup decision on the game like bringing more decisions into the player's control gives them more ability to upset what is otherwise just based on balance and stats mm -hmm. no I, I i agree i 100 percent agree that i preferred uh, well, well, well... Yeah. What I personally like uh, about, uh, I mean, uh, it's always hard for me to play it uh, because it's unlike all other scenarios. You're not obsessed with the objective control as much. And the other thing is that you're, uh, again, like you're, uh, 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 you don't get, uh, this is the only scenario where standing with commander on objectives didn't give you any benefits. So from that perspective, perspective it's uh, interesting and it's unlike anything else like so you you need a completely different skill set to play it than, uh, than uh, others i mean both good and bad but probably more 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 good so i'm um, uh, but i think in 1.8 it wouldn't differ that much as it did uh, again because of the uh, of uh, of the commander unit holding objective uh, losing its importance. Mm -hmm. I think I think to say fear is the wrong certainly the wrong terminology. But like yeah, clearly I got clearly I got everybody's uh, <laughs> got everybody's jimmies in a twist with that one, didn't I? I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I, I, it's just not fun. Well, okay. and I think that's the point though, right? right? Okay. Is that Winds of Winter just isn't as fun because of that added pressure on that choice. 
and I, 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 I don't care. I love, I love Winds of Winter. I've always been a big proponent of Winds of Winter, even back in 1.6, where people absolutely despised it. Um, I've always been a fan of the secret missions, and you're right. I preferred placing the objectives rather than the X, but it standardised the game, and for the generic player, standardising a game mode and standardising the way that it plays out, with some variants in case of Game of Thrones, like you've got the objective cards coming out to spice it up a bit. That is a good thing for what people want because it's standardized. I don't necessarily think that it makes it better, but for the average player, it makes it better for them. Um, I do agree 100% that I think it does make it easier. I think it's less of a skill check, as you say, um, and I do think it adds less skill to those parts of the game. But if it raises the overall player's experience, maybe that's not a terrible thing. And I think Winds of Winter still does that. And we have to go with what people are saying. Some people really like Winds still, right? But it's I still, like Winds. Yeah, it's still probably, without checking the numbers, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd probably go out there and say, outside of Storm of Swords, it's probably one of the least played scenarios. Storm of Swords doesn't really count, so... And if yeah. it's the least played, it must be the least played for a reason. And uh, it, it and Here We Stand are probably the two the two that just don't get played. And Here We Stand takes yeah. because people know it takes forever. So they don't also, that like wins not words, but you know. Yeah. It's probably, I don't have the numbers up, but I imagine Dark Wins Not Words is probably only marginally over Winds of Winter, to be honest. Um, yeah. But it, so, will be, it will be the more popular. Yeah. Marginally, um, but yeah, I think that's the only reason why because it's not standardized because it's there's a there's this element there of unknown and Generic player a and generic player B if they draw wins of winter, they're gonna be like, oh, let's just pick something else yeah. so, I, I regret I regret including wins of winter in the LGT really only because only because People are so unfamiliar with it one hour into the game people hadn't even started because yeah. they hadn't picked their missions Yeah, yeah no, I agree. And, that in that and, sense. And, 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 and I understand that I'm being like entirely elitist and entirely not beginner friendly, but you come into a fucking tournament, you should be able to pick your missions in a time. I, I didn't even comprehend this idea that I, I basically should have put a time cap on your time to pick missions. I should have said, like, if you haven't picked your missions by the first five minutes of this round starting, I'm going to walk over and tell you that you're playing mission one, two, three, and four. <laughs> With the other right. Team. Yeah, yeah, that is the only way we would have been able to achieve Winds of Winter in the same time that we achieve all the other game modes. Yeah. Uh, and like, but but like that's the thing. Like, if people don't know the missions, yeah, then 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 they still shouldn't be taking half an hour to pick them because you can't be learning and coming up with a strategy on the spot. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't know them, right. then just then just have a look and go. Oh, that one's cool. That one's cool. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could yeah. do that. Great. But, yeah, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't I understand. I understand that that is not friendly towards anybody, but the you know the people who really want to go to a tournament to test who knows the most about the game and who is the most skillful at the game. But that is what I would like tournaments to be. Personally, I understand that a large proportion of other people don't want it to be that. They want they want tournaments to just be a way to play the game. And that's fine. And you know what? That's just as valid, if not more. Um, we'll move on to uh, what you're saying there about Adepticon in a minute, Carl. Uh, but final thoughts, Peter, 
on the the Polish event that you attended? What do you think? Do you think it was a good time? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, uh, it was the first time when I, uh, I all the games uh, that I played were super tense. Like, mm-hmm. I never had uh, like uh, a uh, a walkover. Instead, I got beaten twice. Uh, pre- uh, like, uh, especially about Blood Raven, pretty badly and. Uh, uh, and uh, was uh, bitching about it uh, on the spot. So sorry, Camel, for that. Um, I, I, I just hate like uh, uh, games when uh, nobody gets killed. But that's another thing. Um, and losing sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, from that perspective, it was really cool like to have like all those tense games. Uh, organization was... Uh, really good can't complain uh, can't complain about uh, anything restrictions in my opinion they were minimalistic and uh, on point uh, and that like uh, i mean with free folk i hope uh, in 1.8 they will get somehow uh, uh, they will somehow get restricted uh, and uh, uh, because with the changes right now that we're seeing uh, for others, uh, I'm a little bit uh, fearful because they got all good toys and uh, we don't know what, uh, like how they uh, get uh, get a little bit worse. Uh, uh, other than that, uh, I guess like uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a great time, great way to hopefully finally say goodbye to 1.8. So, uh, yeah, well, I got uh, to answer the question, got got, uh, bet by by, uh, Blood Raven and Marsara, so so I shouldn't feel too bad about it, I guess. Um, uh, And, uh, uh, and yeah, uh, Looking forward to uh, to one point uh, eight to come. Ho- hopefully, it will land this week, so we can play our. N- yeah. Yeah. So Part then two. we can we we can uh, play uh, the uh, the new upcoming uh, tournament just next Saturday with the new rules. Otherwise, we'll have to play Elo. Uh, Big doubt. Picked up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess like I'm uh, just like in minute and a half. I'm uh, saying a lot of things to trigger like all the people in the chat. I already like see. Yeah, I mean uh, we we skipped over and, it. But and and, 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 and the first uh, questions was uh, whether or not uh, I still believe that the patch was coming, and the answer is no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 Doug. Here a thing. Here's the thing. I have, I had like absolutely no say on those, uh, like on those restrictions. I wasn't organizing this tournament, so, uh, 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 I mean, and I wasn't playing free folks, so I, I mean, hard to blame me, I guess. Um, and um, uh, yeah, uh, that's it, I guess. Uh, looking forward. Uh, Looking forward, a little bit scared that Free Folk uh, will be too strong, that Lannisters will be uh, probably like uh, bottom of the list, and as Carlos said, stale faction. We'll see. Hopefully, mm. hopefully, like uh, that. Uh, I, I really love them thematically and aesthetically. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it, I guess. Thanks, Are you guys, for having me. Yeah. 
Uh, what? Are you buying the new uh, starter starters? set? Uh, yeah, at least one, and then hoping to win another one. <laughs> Just to get loads of skulls. That's a little bit. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, hoping like to come to LGT. Uh, awesome. uh, uh, that was like a spoiler about uh, Starter. Uh, so yeah, uh, I hope the game will get better and we'll have even more fun playing it. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Uh, thanks for having me so That's often right. and having me today. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, now, enjoy your little LGT conversation, I guess. Oh, we will do, <laughs> among other things. We will. Thanks for being on. Thanks again, Fita. And, you know, uh, shout out to anyone else who, who has like a reason they want to come on. Uh, feel free to get in contact with us. I'm sure we can schedule time because Peter's been on plenty of times because he asks. Simple as that. He has interesting things to say and he goes, can I come on today? And so he's here. So thanks again, Peter, and we will catch up with you, no doubt, in the future uh, when something interesting happens, probably in <laughs> Polish. Of course. <laughs> See you later, Because <laughs> we got all the good, the great stuff uh, before you guys. See ya. <laughs> See you later. Right then, guys. Um, so we are going to uh, leave Peter there, and uh, we're going to jump on. Oh, Carlo's gone above me, no, but it's fine. Cool. Yeah, I've just, I've just flipped positions. I know. I will switch that off. M Turn Carlo M off. M Mickey is a technical genius, isn't he? How, how, how... <laughs> so uh, the problem is because Peter was taking the second slot. Yeah, yeah, Peter we leaves. all know the problem. Yeah. We all, we all know the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I thought I had it set up so that I could just click a button and you swap back, but I had to manually do it. Oh well. Right. So um, we have got other things to talk about, and tournaments is a big one. And Peter very rightly left us on a fantastic position to talk about the GT. Mm-hmm. And look at this lovely artwork done by resident artist. Um, what's his name again? Um, uh, Scott. Art guy. Scott, art guy. Art guy. That's right. <laughs> art guy. Art guy put some lovely art together for us this week. Uh, we see this lovely piece for the ELO. Um, yeah, it's an ELO event. You can see the best part about this. Right. Can I just point out? He's truly encapsulated what the ELO event is about. She's getting together meeting each other, having fun, and beer on the table. Beer on the table. Good shout. Um, uh, I thought he truly encapsulated what ELO was about by putting E.L.L when everybody keeps asking what ELO stands for <laughs> when ELO is a isn't name an and doesn't stand for anything and isn't in an abbreviation. It's actually ELO. <laughs> ELO. ELO <laughs> People pronounce it ELO. ELO because ELO sounds a bit weird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Scott really, really understanding the history of what ELO is. There. <laughs> he just likes to give you more questions. But yeah, there's the, the lovely pay for the ELO um, or ELO tournament. Um, ah, ticket sales wise, what was the last update that we had? Uh, I think, I think we're up to 40 now on the ELO event. Um, and uh, just uh, we're, we're over 60 uh, for the main event um, or within th those numbers were basically within the first week. Mm -hmm. So both are looking really, really good and healthy. Um, the, the, the sales, the tickets for ELO, of course, cover the ELO the and the invitational. You know, um, the guaranteed spots for the Invitational, the ones that have been handed out and accepted are, you know, in the numbers of six, seven, eight at most. So, you know, like people who will have bought 
ELO tickets for the Invitational is counted in a handful. So the ELO itself will be probably a 32-player event. You know, it, 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 hopefully we'll get beyond that as a bracket, but that's a huge, huge increase over the last year. That's more than twice as big, um, which is unsurprising when we look at the main event and we're hoping that that will be more than twice as big. We ended up with basically 50 people last time and we're expecting a post-100. We're, we're expecting over 100 people. And we're now really just going to start pushing it for the rest of the month. There is the um, there's the prize for anybody that signs up within the first month. You have a chance to win um, a faction starter of your choice, um, as long as Leak Teddy can get hold of it. <laughs> Basically, the requirement. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely. If you're on the fence, come along and order a ticket sooner rather than later, because we will we will still look at it and see the best way we can do it. But we are looking to maximize a 128 bracket and it is possible that the tickets will sell out you know we will will come to that as the numbers get closer we will start to warn people about that more but um this we we have already exceeded our expectations we've exceeded our expectations when we said you know like this this tournament can grow as big as you want we don't actually you know, like we'll, we'll we'll maybe talk a little bit about organized play and stuff like that. We constantly say that like they're trying to run an event like too fast, too early. We one of the things that we realize is that like trying to run more than a one twenty eight right now would actually where we're not ready for that. So no. what we want is we want to have a as close to possible capacity one twenty eight. Mm-hmm. The um the thing as well, which I'll mention now, if you're a bit on the fence. Uh, the flexible tickets are available so even if it's a case where you buy one now in an investment and say actually you know what it might be closer to the time i have got things going on at that period of time there is always the opportunity to unfortunately you know as much as we would regret it uh, there is the opportunity to give your ticket back uh, and get your, your your money back for that ticket um so that's not the end of the world there is that option also this is something that i believe did happen last year Am I right in saying that ticket ticket prices actually went up at, for some events? And mm-hmm. that's not decided mm-hmm. by us. We don't decide that. That's the GT that decide that. Um, we, I don't think we're interested in raising ticket prices from what I remember. We certainly didn't do it last year. But for example, the 40k tickets went up by like a fiver, didn't they, or something like that? Um, after yeah, the I first don't remember the exact numbers. But... Yeah. yeah. So that, again, that's not our decision to make, and we won't be looking to push that onto you guys, but it might be a question we get asked or said, look, we need to raise ticket prices. Um, now, which we'll obviously avoid stinging people with that best we can, but that might be an inevitability. Um, yeah. So get it while you can, and while you've still got a chance to win a free starter, which is like, you know, pay £40. Is it £40? Yeah. Get a free starter for like £70 worth of kit. Profit! 30 quid! <laughs> and Absolute whatever profit. you win at the event, which, you know, if it's anything like last year, will be at least one unit box, probably. Um. <laughs> to answer to answer Blood Raven's question, um, yes, we're, 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 we're looking to run a seven-round event, you know, unless we really think that we will be above the 64. Like, it really seems like a dead cert now. Um, and we believe that seven is the limit, a four game Saturday, a three game Sunday is as far as we are uh, happy to take it this year. We think that 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 we have time for that and we can run that. Um, you know, there needs to be time on the Sunday for people to 
travel, it needs to be time for us to do the awards, all those things. So uh, we think that we can get in a good four game Saturday, three game Sunday. We don't believe that we can run an eight round event. Um, no. But we, I'm interested. I'm interested to know, you know, like, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it gets really complicated. It gets really, really complicated about what you would do if you wanted to go further than that, because um, you are realistically saying, can we fit in four games on the Sunday? And I think the answer is really no. Like, I really do think that it's no, not in the state and size of the game um, and the length that it takes to play rounds. So, you know, we'll see. It's difficult as well, you know, um, we aren't, you know, we're not completely unaware that some people have jobs and things where taking time off isn't really great for them. Like, I mean, just as an example, but teaching, uh, if you're a teaching professional, especially um, especially in like schools, taking a Friday off or a Monday off can be really difficult, like really difficult for those people. Um, so we're trying to make it so that you can turn up on the Friday night. OK, you might miss the ELO. But, you know, that's a warm-up event. It's an event to get people together, have a bit of a fun, have a laugh. You know, no one really cares who wins the ELO event, really. It's just a... No, it's elite Teddy. Yeah, Elite Teddy. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a chance to get together and play games against people and run stuff that might not be as cookie-cutter that you might be used to. But then, obviously, the main event is where you pick the ball. The big guns come out. But you do need a lot of time for people to get back for Sunday because not everyone can take the Monday off. Um, and you need to give people, you know... In the worst case scenario, people going to back to Scotland, six hours travel. Um, you know, if you were finishing at like six, seven, eight o'clock in the evening, you're telling them you're going to be back at like two, three, four in the morning. <laughs> mm. That's hard. Whereas if you say, look, we're going to no, try that's, and finish that's, for like that's definitely what the Sterling guys three. did last time, I believe. I believe yeah. they took a train home and arrived arrived dead early. But um, yeah, yeah uh, that that is the other point. You know, like I would actually really love to be able to extend it out to a three day event. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd love to be able to to talk about eight or nine rounds across three days because there is space to do that. Uh, we we are running, you know, like the Friday events. Um, for us to be able to say, hey, it's three rounds on the Friday, three on the Saturday, two on the Sunday. That would actually be give loads of time, or you know, it could be two, three, three, all these kind of things. Um, but we cannot the 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 requirement of making it a three-day event the requirement of needing people to be there for all three days is just a barrier that actually isn't 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 good for the community isn't good for all members to try and make it um hilo asked how many games will you play if you play in ELO or invitational invitational will be four rounds the elo will be three rounds if you're a sweaty invitational tryhard, then we hope that you can handle the pace of the four rounds on um, on already a compressed Friday. Um, we don't do we don't have the same expectations of the uh, of the more general um, general catering for of the ELO event. Uh, but yes, you will either be playing ten or eleven rounds across the three days. Um, if you're, uh, yeah, I mean, he says it's a graft. Yeah. If you're a, if you're an invitational player, then uh, we're giving everybody else a chance to beat you in the main event by trying to melt your brain on the Friday before the main event starts. So come to win the invitational and then just see if you can stick it out in the main event. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of games. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really hyped. Uh, for the 
event in general because you can just get into PC people and see uh, all the crazy things. And on the note of the Invitational, these are the formal invitations that are being sent out. Um, these will be going to all the players who got invited. Uh, I don't know if we're we mailing them out or emailing them out or just sending them out at the time when they get there. I don't know. Uh, will we be playing in the ELO? Last year, Carlo played in the ELO while I ran it. Um, this year, if things go well for me, I'll hopefully be playing in Invitational. Um, but probably not. Um, or, or if not, I'll be running the ELO. Um, so I won't be playing in it. And Carlo won't be playing in it this year because he'll be running the Invitational. Um, he may be up for a late, like a later game, like chill game or something, but we'll see. It really depends on what Carlo wants to do. Because there's a good chance Carlo will go Carlo to an event. Flash and blood as usual. Flash and blood, yeah. <laughs> he, there's a good chance Carlo will go to an event where there are 11 games being played pretty much back to back over the course of a weekend. And he will never play a game of song himself. <laughs> Which, you know, is pretty sad. Um, yeah, uh, these are going to be awarded to players at events. So please, uh, you know, all the players will be getting these when they turn up. Uh, we will not be accepting any counterfeits. Uh, some people have absolutely nailed the counterfeit game already. Uh, here's one previously counterfeited by Spiker. Um, <laughs> masterfully done, if it wasn't for the fact that I know Chris is writing. You know, I, I genuinely think that that could have been passed off as a real invitation. Um, but this is like Charlie and the Chocolate Tree gold, golden ticket uh, fake controversy here, isn't it? Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, accept no imitations. Um, so yeah, those will be going out to people at the start of the event. Uh, so you have those. So, so those are the cool graphics that finally our graphics guy decided to get going. And feel free if anyone needs a copy of these, they are all on the GT Discord. But feel free to ask, and we can give you copies of these. And you might want to print them out. We've got. Are we am I right in saying there are some things gonna that are more print friendly that Scott has? Like, I don't know. I might be making that one up. I'll talk to him about it. Um, yeah, it's been the wrong guy. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he's got something that's a little bit more print friendly if you want to put something up or like take a flyer along to a local club or something like that. Um, so, yes. Um, next thing I wanted to announce, that's obviously the GT out the way. Buy your tickets now. Be in with a chance to win the starter set. The other thing I want to announce, because I forgot for two weeks in a row, is do check out the Frontline Gaming articles that have been coming up. Uh, they've been put up there by, I forget his name now, they're technically put up by Matt Castro, but it's actually Carly who writes them, who's a member of, uh, believe it or not, the UK scene. Uh, she's written some interesting articles, breakdowns of things like Always Winter, uh, some of the other events going on. I think she's going to do one for LVO, or has done one for LVO. Um, but yeah, check them out. They're interesting articles, and it's good to see somebody else making content for the game and doing it on a established website. Um, obviously, he's not the only one. Obviously, he's got Scabman's blog, so obviously check out Scabman, what he's doing as well. Um, but yeah, I haven't mentioned Frontline Gaming uh, articles there from Carly, so do check them out. And she's in chat. Um, become one of these people who wasn't in the game and in the community and all of a sudden went, I'm in and I'm sucked in and I'm buying everything I can buy and writing articles and enjoying myself. So that's great. Um, cool. Are, are, you, are, you sad? are you sad that you came third, but your list didn't get analysed? Not really. No. No, no. Too Too important for that. Not really, I just uh, like it. My I came third. My list isn't worthy of analysing, right? I I didn't come within shot of winning the event, so why should it get analysed? I'm okay with that. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, so uh, 
next up is the Sunrise and Fire Stats patron. I don't know really why I loaded this up, but I remembered we had a patron. And we're on all of these various different podcasts. We, we got a new Patreon just at the weekend. Um, Imitation Lobster. Is that right? Ilya. Oh, Ilya. Is Ilya Imitation? No. Ilya. Is Ilya now a patron as well? No, not not Ilya. Not uh, as in Kilia. No. Ilya Ilya's from the US. Ah, Ilya from the US. That might be Imitation, be Imitation Lobster. Lobster. But I don't think he is. That might uh, be Imitation Lobster. Uh, but yeah, I know Imita- I saw Imitation Lobster join the uh, the Stats Discord today as an orange name, so as a patron. Um, so if it is Imitation Lobster, good man. Uh, if it's not, then also good job, Ilya, if you're two different people. <laughs> it's very confusing. Um, but yeah, no, obviously we got the patron. We don't advertise it enough and we don't push it. We would never by any say chance say that there'll be any patron stuff that you're going to get exclusive. That's like, oh, Stats has got a whole web page thing that you don't get to see uh, because you don't pay us. No, nothing like that. The only thing you really get access well, to. Well, you say that, but I was actually thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, we haven't done it recently. Um, uh, uh, I haven't done it for a long time. Yeah, because, because I, I mean, like, uh, I, n- I never particularly asked the Patreons why they, why, the, why they contribute, but you know, in my <laughs> mind, you know, it, 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 it basically makes the, makes the, makes the website break even as opposed to a loss, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, so you know um uh that there are if the question that often comes up is is um why is uh find a list not working right and the truth of the matter is is because every time you click that button it is a massive massive load on the back end to the point where like either either (laughs) massively increase the amount of resources that that is allowed to use which would fix the problem, but a whole rewrite in the way that lists work, and that may or may not come in in time for list builder changing. Mm-hmm. I may be able to make it better, but if I can't make it better, then I may reintroduce it as a Patreon only way because the point is is that they are contributing enough that like it's not a cost that you know they should be precluded from. But if there are there are thousands of people who come to the website every month every week in fact actually um and if they all just go and ask for these lists then i, I i'll actually go bankrupt like guys i'll go bankrupt like i'm not even <laughs> i'm not even joking like i can't afford that um so you know like if <laughs> if you want to contribute to the site then that's really really great you don't have to i'm not trying to uh, I, i'll never try and make you pay to run a tournament never make you pay for like what I consider the things that stats is trying to achieve, but there are some things that just like they they require so much of my cloud computing allowance that basically they're too expensive to give to everybody uh, because uh, because because the site is the site to put it into perspective. I believe there are about sixty thousand um, lists on the site. Like it's a lot of lists. Can't let you search them, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, uh, you know that would be a problem. Uh, I could. Um, there, there are so many improvements that I could make, but uh, they're all they're all time, and uh, I, I don't I don't have as much uh, time as I as I used to have. But you know, like the more people contribute to the Patreon, the more uh, time I can put in. So I thank everybody who has, and there have some been since we launched the Patreon just over a year ago. There's some people who have been there since day one, and they really have, you know, become yeah. a really good part of what is the stats community on Discord as well. We chat a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be ever grateful. I'll be ever grateful. 
but yeah. there's no pressure. <laughs> I will say that, that that is the biggest perk, is there's a couple of patron channels on the Discord, which people may not be aware of, but absolutely fine. But we know, the main one we have is like a general patron chat, which is just an extension of general chat, really, where we talk about things kind of thing there. But the biggest thing that you actually get access to, which is the most important thing in the world, is a thing called new feature requests which is a channel where you go in there and say, Carlo, wouldn't this be a cool thing to add on stats? And then Carlo finds a different way of saying no to you each day that you post. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Every time you that. post, I basically weigh up. Is it easier for me to say no <laughs> to fix that thing that you asked me to do? And at some point, it's just easier to fix it, so I do it. There was uh, one that you did fix, wasn't I there? Yeah, I, fi I fixed a few things that people have asked. Yeah. You know, something, some reason, some, something, something's happened. You get yeah. some exclusive perks. I mean, I can't believe that you skipped over the most exclusive perk, which is is that uh, I I will in I will actively insult every Patreon with their own unique insults. That, <laughs> that, that is pretty that, 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 that is that is that is what you really really pay for individualized insults <laughs> what, what you don't more realize? reasons why more reasons you know individual ways for me to tell you that you're bad at list building and and or bad at the game <laughs> so the the actual never-ending one which people don't know because it's super secret here is that elite teddy chris pays 50 pounds a month and i believe he has a secret <laughs> whatsapp group with carlo with just him and carlo and each day carlo posts a depressing fact about chris such as your shit with lannisters or Joff Bose is never going to be a thing. Um, that's that's a secret tier for only Chris, though. So, uh... <laughs> um, no. Uh, feel free. Uh, we've never asked you to just do it because we need the money, but I just thought we'd never mention it, and we thought I'd mention it again today. Um, so it is there as an opportunity. That's patreon.com forward slash stats, or you just get there from the stats website. Um, so, talked about that. We have got one more thing I want to cover right which we haven't talked about carlo and we'll talk about events and things later on i'll put some posts up during the week with different event winners and things as i did last week um the last thing i want to talk about was nationals and the nationals tournament uh what am i even going to call it um tournament document advisory board document guide there you go there's my my long-winded way of saying something i don't really understand i i, <laughs> I can't possibly i have no idea which one you're talking about now because that's such a cryptic name yeah i know right it's the one that we have seen released i think it came out the back end of last week mm. um we're talking about the way for an event to apply to qualify spots for nationals yes yes yeah okay the one that how you qualify. And then we're going to talk about Adepticon quickly as well. So, um, Nationals, a document was put out, and I actually can't for the love of God find me find it now, but they put out a, uh, a document regarding how a tournament qualifies for the kind of... Uh, Qualification spots. Yes, like, qualification what spots. What the qualifying criteria for a tournament are to be a qualifier. Yeah. Using the say using the word qualify in two different ways, but yes. Yes. Um 
I actually can't find it. Unfortunately, that's just the announcement of LVO being the first one. Go on. You talk about, because you've read it. I'm going to try and find it. Um, Life of God, where is it? Okay. I really thought it was going to come up on screen. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get there. Uh, Okay. Off the top of my head, um, I think we're talking about a less than 16-player event. Well, basically, they've put in writing what the tiers are for how many spots you will get. I think that is uh, that's a really great step forward. Like I really do think that's very, very important. And I think it's very, very important for them to be um, transparent and above board with that, right? And I think that's a great thing. Uh, I think that overall the document um, is very important and I'm glad that it's come out nice and early and that it's not suddenly like loads of people have run events supposedly qualified people and then suddenly suddenly this document comes out afterwards that it's come out nice and early is very important um you it, there's some interesting requirements which obviously are around simon checking against what they consider to be a store yes that both that you're a store that can run events but also that you're a store that supports a song of ice and fire basically you have to um you have to be able to host 16 players yep um you either have to have already signed up for organized play in the past or be waiting because i I wonder how many people are currently pending and pending an application to organize play um or there seems to be this other way, which is that like, oh, if you didn't bother to sign up for organized play, if you can show that you have run an event in the past two years, um, then you can also qualify. This seems to just be like you're interacting with Simon, right? Like basically we put this out over a year ago. Did you show any interest in it in the past year? Have you shown any interest in the game in the past two years? Or are you trying to turn around and just say, oh, yeah, we'll host a tournament which has, like, relatively guaranteed chance that people will come along just because it's a qualifier? Um, uh, That's interesting, but I actually don't care either way, particularly that it exists. So it is actually quite interesting um, from the requirement side there, uh, because I'm signed up to organize play, technically. Um, You can sign up as an individual. Um, but then as an individual, you would assign your store and you can actually sign up more than one store. Um, the store does have to be approved by the marketing team as a place where a song is sold. So stores that aren't selling product, I don't think would be accepted, um, which does limit the number of stores that could hold an organized play event. Um, so that is a bit of a caveat, especially considering the number of stores that we know have sold the game out kind of thing. And because stores find it hard to stock the product, so they sell out. They don't buy stock in anymore. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is one small thing that's worth uh, taking into account. But yeah, the rest is all fairly straightforward and reasonable. Yeah, I think I think what's important then is that they a bit lower down. They specify based on the size of the event um, how many places you'll be given. Um, they off the top of my head if you're more than 32 players then you get six qualifying spots is that right is uh, this on a different page yeah, or... on the next page is the, the qualification yeah on the next spots. page 
Um, Let's bring this up. They it specify that if hit. you're yeah more than 32, then you're going to get six. If you're in the 17 to 32 category, you're going to get four, which is where LVO sat, which also where where actually I, I just expect most of the cons that they have mentioned, Adepticon upcoming, and um, what was the other con that they said that they'll be running it at? Um, anyway, Wonder they've Wonder both con? been... Was it WonderCon, was it? Yeah. WonderCon. Um, I would expect both of them to hit in this 17 to 32 category. So, you know, like, it seems fine that they have already pre-announced that they will have four at each of them. Um, the 2 to 16 players being one invitational spot, I, I would have liked, personally, I would have liked them to, you know, put a caveat of, like, eight minimum. But... I mean, what, what what can you say? You know, like, if willing to make any kind of local community, then why not let their local few players, their local four, five, six players gain a spot? Because what difference does it make? Um, oh, I've just gone dark. Um, so I think that overall, the, the, the document coming out is very important. Yeah. And... Yeah. And it makes me think that they are just trying to get as many accepted entrants as possible, particularly when they then say that anybody who's already won a place, those places will pass down. I don't think they're trying to create an elite tournament. They're trying to create uh, an event with many, many people having been directly invited to come which hopefully increases the number of people who want to come yep yeah like i i think most of the things we see here on this document are very reasonable very natural and good i'm in the same ballpark as carlo though i think two to 16 for one slot i i it annoys me actually quite a lot that if you hit 16 players it's like oh you get one slot but if you get one more you get four slots it's like that could that transition could have been two four six, and I don't believe that having one or two more players because let's face it, most of these events are probably looking between fourteen. If if the Polish region is anything to go by, you're probably looking between fourteen players and probably low twenties, maybe like twenty four, twenty five is like your range for most of these events to be run. You know, most of the range, most of the range anyway. Um, and some of them are going to be one and some of them are going to be four. And if you just creep over that 17 to have the four, whereas if you're just under the 17 at 16 or 15 and you get one, it, it feels, as you say, a little bit unfair. And um, I don't believe they're trying to be exclusive anyway, so I don't think it would harm them if they just gave another spot out to the smaller events. Mm -hmm. um, I do agree, though, that you would almost want a, a category of less than eight might only get one, maybe. So you can't just run a load of small events and say, look, here's two spots every time we run a small event. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, interestingly, just above this, there there are they even put some caveats. I feel like they believe that that this is really going to be a positive for anybody who runs an event. They yep. they specify that you can't charge more than a certain price. Um, that that money has to go towards the prize pool. Um, effectively meaning that you can't try and um really transfer 
your chance to run a regionals into a massive money making scheme. Yeah. Um, uh, which I, I guess is positive. Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost a little bit cynical that you think that people might. Um, but that they lay down that it's a forty point, right? That it is, um, you know, must be four by four tables. That you must use Swiss pairing up to thirty two. That they they they're their constant obsession with this idea of running running a cut. A top eight cut is I I, I think it's just crazy. Like, why why do they think that this is important? Um, but um, and 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 specifying that you know like one day events for four rounds uh, are all are all completely are all good guidelines. Like overall, yeah. I think that they've put out some good guidelines. I think that these are all things that could and should have been um, in the original tournament guidelines i would like now that they're taking a more active role in organized play and the competitive community i would like them to put down way more concrete guidelines they don't have to be rules it doesn't have to be this is how you run a tournament absolutely flat out but like there are so many things in the current tournament guidelines doc that are very much like Oh, you could do this, you could do this, or you can do whatever you want. The TO can do whatever they want. And that is true. The TO can always do whatever you want. You don't need to state out loud that TOs can do whatever they want. I just think that it's best if you set a, if you give a single thing that you establish as the recommended way so that everybody knows what they can expect unless they've been told that it will deviate from it. One of the simple ones, do you know what I mean? I, I've played in both. I'm fine with both, but I would like there to be a accepted tournament standard on whether or not terrain is randomly generated or player chosen. Yeah. I would like the tournament document to say which one it believes is the tournament standard, and then I will play all my games to that um, rather than playing some of my tournaments one way, some of my tournaments another way. I only play um, randomly generated in preparation for a tournament when I'm going to play randomly generated. Um, and, I do, uh, for what it's worth, I do think that they could leave scope for people to do whatever they want with their events and say, look, yeah. you know, there are other options and you can do these other options, but if you want to be a sanctioned organized player event, here's the baseline rules you should be following. I do agree there 100%. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't know, I don't see a problem with people wanting to run alternate rules. I've got no issues with that. But it's when that those alternate rules are used as a qualifier, more on that later. That it starts to get a bit weird because it's like, well, I just played two different games to get to this point. It seems a bit strange. Um, yeah, I, I, I do, I do, I do. I am really glad, for example, that the community has come to its own conclusion that even though Simon don't give really strong recommendations on it, that we play at forty points. Like, yeah. I do actually. I'm really glad and I really appreciate that when you talk about a game you know you you assume and know that what you're talking about is 40 points that doesn't mean at all that you can't run 30 points you can't run 50 points but you understand that you're making a really active choice to step away from that and that that has implications on the game and that you're playing the game in a different way that doesn't mean that it has to be actually in my mind it doesn't mean that it had to be precluded from being able to be a qualifier event but they've mm -hmm. chosen that actually qualifier events do have to be 40 points but i appreciate that there is a standard that 40 points is the norm um 
it, it wouldn't have to be 40 points. I'd also be happy for 30 points to be the norm. Um, it might allow us to, you know, play those bigger tournaments because we might get more games in. Yeah. But that there is a standard which we all know that we that we sit at, but don't have to do. We can deviate from at any time that we choose to is something that uh, I really appreciate. And I just wish that, that that they laid down more of what they believe the standard is before you then deviate from that. Yeah. Um, this final this final one is restriction that TOs can't participate in their own event. You know, I'm always on board with that. Uh, yeah. I think it's an interesting inclusion. I think it's probably a good inclusion just for fairness sake and for making sure that everything's really above board. Um, and I think that was really positive. But uh, I've always, uh, you know, like I've probably been the one person who most vocally maintains that I believe that TOs shouldn't participate in their own event. Completely agree. A hundred percent agree. I've always been on board with that. Um, even though I actually believe that, you know, if you TO quite well, I do believe there's time with using the stats site that you can actually play in your own event. But I don't believe you should. Um, you know, you sh if you're there to make the numbers up and give somebody not a buy, for example, and you give yourself some relatively rubbishy lists and get to, and someone gets to play games in a local store, uh, that 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 would be okay to me as a TO doing their job and making sure everyone enjoys like the maximum number of games. But you shouldn't be going in there to go. I make the meta, my decisions of what gets played and what doesn't get played. I'm the one who's the arbitrator, and then I also come in and play a really competitive list and try and win. Um, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't try and win the games they do play, but they shouldn't be going out there to knock players out of the event and try and take spots themselves. I don't think that's right. Um, yeah. The very last part of the entire document is quite interesting. It is. That you have one week from the date of the event to submit all your army lists and effectively proof that the event took place in current terms of pictures so that they claim that they're going to publish it social media-wise. Um, Do you know what the really cool thing is here, though, Carlo? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when it happens. <laughs> if, well, just one thing there. Submit their results, right? Well, you can do that with a link to the stats site, right? Because the results are all there. Done. Easy. Don't have to fill any anything. They have a link. There you go. All the results are on there, right? you want to check it the results are there scanned army lists well if you really want to provide them with a document you could quite literally just go onto everyone's army list copy and paste them in text form onto a document there you go done that takes you all of about five minutes for 16 lists genuinely i've done it um and event photos and videos well we can't help there but that's fairly straightforward you've either got them or you haven't but all of that stuff you could actually send over in one document that no joke from the stats site you could prepare in about five minutes and like i'm not complaining those are things that you know if the, if they start to accept that it's something right and do i think it's perfect do i think they're going to suddenly turn around and say our oh, stats is amazing no they're not right they're not but if we can prove to them that this actually this kind of system and this kind of process can give you results and things that you can easy quantify and easily take and use then they will sit around, you know what, actually, this is a lot easier than having to get these randomly scanned lists of varying quality come through. Um, and they might see the value. Um, no one has a stats account. It's true. True, they might not have a stats account. 
you know. Over. That's not true, actually. Um, yeah, it's also not true. <laughs> I've so. searched. I've searched accounts by the dot Simon, and there are accounts. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't submit results, which means that they don't show up in the rankings, but they have accounts. I do think it's a good thing. Yeah, I tell you what, I think it's actually quite interesting about it, you know, like beyond the fact that, you know, hey, stats is the perfect fucking tool, guys. You know, like beyond that part is is that it's something that I've believed for a long time and is one of the reasons why I built stats at all, which is is that they seem to recognize and value this idea that or this idea that a tournament let's be let, let's be entirely honest, right? A tournament doesn't hold any value unless you celebrate it and share it and people acknowledge it yeah like really like honestly like you know yes yes like if you yes you and your player group might play eight people 10 people 12 people you might play an event you can have a great day it can help your community stay interested in the game it can do all these things right but like we're really talking about on the grand scheme of things what drives the community forward what drives the game forward what drives growth and i'm really glad that they like have cottoned on to at last and appreciated this and and the value of organized play as a whole to them is is what matters is if an event has visibility an event doesn't do anything for them unless people are interested in the event that they ask for your lists so that they could possibly share them and talk about them, that they ask for pictures so that they can share the pictures of it and show that people play these games are really, really important. And it's a large part of why I think that, you know, like that is why I built stats because if you, I actually believe that that shouldn't be isolated to tournaments, that if we give equal, um, importance and equal visibility to every game that you play then you can show and give value and give importance to every game that you ever play and i think that that's really really useful and i think that that's a big part for me you know what i mean like i i believe as a pretty competitive player do you know what i mean like i play games that i play i i always don't come at them from a competitive perspective a game is interesting competitively if there is a route to some validation that your that your achievements are worth something. Mm -hmm. They don't mean and like I don't play competitively so I can lord it over the four people that I beat locally. I play competitively so that I can know in the grand scheme of things where I sit. I can understand who is better than me. I can understand who i can learn from i can understand and have goals to get to play against the other people who i personally recognize as the top players in the game without ever having to meet them before without ever they don't have to stand there and scream and shout about how great they are because i you know i don't have you know i don't have a huge amount of respect for the players who do scream and shout about how amazing they are at the game what i have a respect for is the players who just show it with their results um and I think that this is a really interesting part of that and that they understand that for a qualifier event, an event in general, a tournament for this game to be useful to them, it needs to be shown and celebrated and seen by people. 
when an event is seen by people, its value magnifies and doubles and triples and 10 times as much. It's not worthless if it's not seen, but it's worth so much more when it is seen. I agree completely. Um, and it's one thing that they've missed off for so long in doing in their in their role and what they do um, across the board is not actually celebrating the game enough um, on the whole. So yeah, no, this is obviously a really good thing. Um, we'll see if it materialises, obviously. Uh, we'll see how it all ends up being put together and how it all ends up being. Um, but it is a good start. Um, and uh, we will see. We will see how it all pans out. Um, I do... I'm a Phil Hadge on the yeah. US Canada only requirement. Yeah. Like, uh... why, 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 why not let Europeans qualify for this event? Like, why not? Like, what, do you think too many of them are going to turn up? <laughs> do you know what actually annoys me yet again? And it, again, it's, it's a slight frustration. But we know that they kind of give us a help with the GT. And, you know, the stuff that they did on the, on the social media with the GT, can't complain about. But, like, where was the support that things like the Spanish Nationals or the Italian Nationals or the Polish Warsaw Open we've just seen, you know, potential larger events there? Where was the stuff for Masters of Westeros? Like, why aren't they supporting those in the same way? Uh, I, I do think it's very US-centric. And I know this is for US Nationals. I know this is the US Regionals build-up. And I know they've got to start somewhere. But actually, you know, this is exactly what turns people away from the game, um, is this idea that preferential treatment. And um, and this has been a big issue. Uh, you know, and we talked about it earlier, visibility. People want visibility. One of the big things that people hated last year with Gen Con, apart from the time thing, was it was run at a store that always gets visibility from CMON, Family Time Games. And no one has issue with a store getting visibility from CMON. What people, it, the issue stems from, why is it always that store? Like, my store's been supporting the game from day one, has put on events of equal size, has tried to do this, that, and the other. Why do we not get a shout about it? And that is a big problem. Um, it has been in the case of the US for a long time. And I know that certain stores in the US actually have basically been really put off by that whole side because they believe that they're just not getting their time in the sun. Now, not everyone can do, but it is true. Why not give everyone? And this is at least admitting we should give some people time in the sun for these other events. Um, mm. Because they're I mean, just if, as valuable. If they, if they make more time, if they make more time in the sun by yep. posting every week, then just everybody's better off. Yeah, like, exactly. Everybody's better Literally off. everyone's better off. And that's what we hope the solution is. The yeah. hope, we hope that the solution... It's not... Uh, it's never like, oh, can we please take this away from the US? Yeah. It yeah. just can we have the same like can, can, you know like that, that, and, and and it's the same you know like you, you you're not like you know stop giving this to this store it's yes. like that's amazing please give it to everybody yeah exactly um and so uh and so that's what we hope yeah and hopefully that will pick up now that is all well and so good and this document I think we're both in massive agreement that this is fine this is a good document there's nothing really bad about it it sets out a good layout and solid work Good work, Simon. When's uh when is nationals? Uh, it tells you at the top, I believe. It must be late, late July. Is it very I early August? I believe these have got to be played in the run first week of August, the last week of July, something like that. July the fourth, 
nationals is no at... no july the 4th is the, the last end, time you yeah. can qualify and that's why i'm asking can you can qualify for this event up to about two to three weeks before it happens july it's september the 4th and september the 5th okay one month you have to qualify one month before no two months finish on july the 4th august september two months it can't be in September. Yeah, US National Championships is 4th and 5th of September. According to this. Uh, okay. Which seems very weird, because that's not Gen Con, is it? That's not Gen Con. That's US Nationals 2021. I am mistaken. Gen Con, Gen Con is on the 4th of August. For some reason, the 2021 US Nationals document is still up there. Gen Con's on the fourth of August, which is one month. Yeah, it's right. We've got AOE fourth. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because Gen Con was pushed back, wasn't it? Yeah, forget COVID. Yes, my bad. So uh, Gen Con will be on um, in August. Okay, so it's you qualify. One... You can qualify up to one month before. Yeah. Cool. We then have the Adepticon event, which is a qualifier, and this is where I'm not going to lie. I get a bit head scratchy. Um, Adepticon's got loads of different, um, like, loads events, events running, so, uh, it has, it has like, a team, a team, team tournament. tournament, yep, it, it has, has a 50 point tournament, yes, 50 point it tournament, it has a, the main event, which is the qualifier, main event, yeah, and it has one other, does it have another one as well, is that on, the, like, the last yeah, day, I'm pretty sure it has before, it has another one, which isn't 50 points, or, or team, or the main, I'm sure, I can't remember what. It's, just a friend, the it's called a friendly tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's the friend. Yeah, the friendly one. So I think, yeah, effectively, the main event can push on into the friendly one if you're in the final of the main event or something. Basically, like they won't quite commit to the main event being one day. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, the bit that's a little bit confusing from the Adepticon or not confusing but is a little bit weird from Adepticon yes. um, you this bit right army construction armies must be legal to be used and consist of units and unit cards which are available as of the 3rd, 15, 2022. Remember US dates, so that's the 15th of March. Pre-releases, sneak peeks, and Hanged of the King models with rules available on War Council, a Song of Ice and Fire Builder, and the Seamon website may be included in your army. That's a little mm. bit generic. It's not quite specific. Does it have to be on all three? Does it not? But also, it doesn't yeah. specify anything. No. <laughs> so, as it currently stands, guys, for what it's worth, you could run, as far as I'm aware, 2021 trackers at six points, like they're going to be in the 2022 update, you call it that. And you could run that in your 2020 army list. Yeah, because... Because that is a sneak peek. On the Seamon website. Or at least it might not be on the Seamon yeah. website. I don't know if it is. If it's not, then oh, technically you can't use it. But it's a sneak peek, right? Mm. Like, yeah. You could use 
a sneak peek. Bloody mountains, uh, mountains men. You know, you can you can use the buffed unit, right? You can Could say you... I'm using the new version. It doesn't say you have to use up to date ones though. No. So actually, <laughs> I, I feel not... like we are nitpicking, but like if you take it at its word, there are definitely arguments to be said that like I don't want to use the sneak peeks. Thanks, I'll use the current dragons as as an example as the only thing that in the sneak peeks have gotten worse. Right, so you just like I, I don't want to use that. I want to use the version that's on War Council, please. And and so and so, what is the actual current rule set? Is a it, it, they they've 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 opened up they, they've opened up a minefield. I don't know if they intended to. I don't know what they intended to achieve with this statement. Um, it's very odd. I don't. Yeah, it's it. Wow, it makes me nervous. It makes as far me as I'm concerned. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, I believe 1.6 is still available on certain builders and other things like that. You could literally play 1.6 okay. Starks. Marwin. Marwin's just come up and said, get them to expand it to Facebook and Zebra Rugman can give us Pikemen. You understand that this is what we're actually saying, that you've included a Song of Ice and Fire builder, and a Song of Ice and Fire builder puts those fuzzy photographs up on the site as 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 options, right? I, I don't check it myself. I don't use it, but I would take a wild guess right now that Pikemen are on that. High Garden Pikemen, High Garden Pikemen are on a Song of Ice and Fire Builder. So does that mean that they're viable? You can you use them? You could print the models off yourself, I guess. Like for me, and that brings like, up that brings up that brings up the question. So a High Garden what? Pikeman, uh, they don't have loyalty, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like no. So so for me, minefield. Right? The, the big thing for me is, as far as I'm aware, you can still access 1.6 units on some of those areas, which means you can actually straight up build a 1.6 Stark list with the 1.6 Stark Tactics deck and go and play in an event tomorrow. You could actually do that. Yeah, that is a legal thing that you could do in Adepticon, according to what this says. Yeah. So you, I feel like we can't like when you take <laughs> it to its when you take it to its furthest conclusions, you end up with a stupid answer. And so I feel like you have to say that's not what's meant, which yes. means that, um, that 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 they must not mean that. But what do they mean? And what do they mean by sneak peeks? Like, basically, are they saying we will implement whatever version they have given indicators of? Like, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they turn around and said. Oh no no no! We don't give plus one to commanders in scenarios because they said that will be changing, without ever actually having to be released. Um, which I've spoken about loads. Which is like even in casual play, I hate that idea that we're playing a incomplete set of rules. Like we've been told, we've been given some, we've been drip fed, we've been, um, you know, cr thrown some crumbs of what is to come down the line, and we just intermingle it with what we have right now and kind of set it as what is our current state of the gameplay i i i really just prefer a clean cut move from one edition to the other mm -hmm. um to implement it in a tournament actually seems a bit crazy mm -hmm. it does say rules in force yes version 2021 version 2021 version 1.6 of the tournament rules and Adepticon classification FAQ. The problem is, is that, I mean, I'm, I haven't even read that 
2021 Adepticon a Song of Ice and Fire clarification FAQ. Um, it's made me think about it, and if there even is one. Yeah, I think I think I think Doug's right that that does um, that does stop the discussion about the 1.6 army being put together, but it well, doesn't, no, it doesn't. stop. It doesn't stop the discussion about whether or not you can choose to use pre or post update 2021 versions of things because we've already seen on updated cards, updated cards in 2022 will still say 2021 on them. It doesn't um, actually say though, this is very important, it doesn't actually say, it says rules and FAQ version. So that's the rule book version and the FAQ version. It doesn't say unit versions. Those are just like the literal documents they've got on the website that they provide. Like, that's not the same thing. That's actually the big difference. And there isn't, as far as I'm aware, and a Song of Ice and Fire clarification PDF, which I'd love to look at to see what clarifications they're going through, rather than the FAQ that's available out of everyone. So that'll be interesting. They might put that closer together at the time. I'm definitely probably spend time reading that. But the rest of it, yeah, the problem is, like, in our my opinion, that's unclear, but it's quite clear that they do have a plan to somewhat. They they want people to use 2021. Yes, okay. And maybe sneak peeks or not. That's the bit that gets a bit confusing. Right. This next bit is the bit I don't understand. Right. Um, it go, talks about dice etiquette and play etiquette, which I've never seen in a tournament ever. But hey-ho, it's a deck. No, but I, I, like, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. I, I have a very distinct set of etiquette which I try to establish with my opponent before a game, which is that I believe that if a dice isn't entirely flat on the table, that it should be re-rolled. Mm -hmm. Which is fair enough. Other people like the uh, can you balance a dice on the dice kind of thing and like all, all sorts of other shit, but yeah. yeah. Um, it's a lot in one day. Starting at 8 o'clock for registration. Uh, game 1 starts at 8.30. Well, pre-game uh, game 1. And it goes all the way for 5 games in um ending at 9 30 with the awards right mm -hmm. um that's fine it's a lot in one game it's absolute that that's an absolute convention level yeah you're here for song but yeah yeah you know like at least they give enough time for it you know like yep. if you're gonna run five rounds it's got to be that long yeah um i then don't like the tournament guidelines here and this is I mean, me. these are these are straight incorrect guidelines. Yeah, there's like, a lot here that I don't like, and it just goes up and against the spirit of what a lot of other people do already. Especially given that we literally have rulings from people like Michael Chanel, who's saying, "Oh, it's fine. You shouldn't assume your opponent cheats," but then you need to count out your deck in front of your opponent's face. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which I know uh, sounds the weird dumb, one here, like... weird one, which is an actual deviation from the rules, is that uh, it tells you to set up terrain and then reveal armies. As far as I'm concerned, I've never, ever, ever met somebody who believed that that was the rules. It makes me want to go and reread re that section of the rulebook because I wonder if that's a possible interpretation that you can come to in the rulebook. But personally, I believe it's relatively clear. Well, see, this is where it actually gets complicated. The rulebook itself, I don't think, particularly establishes the um, the two-list format. 
what actually establishes the two list format is the tournament document itself. And the tournament document isn't that clear cut, not in the same way that the rule book is. And specifically, the tournament document says that the TO can change anything that he likes. Yep. Technically, this doesn't break the rules of the game. I've never, ever, ever met a, um, a player ever who believed that this is the way it should be done. Um, I think that the terrain that people put down would be quite different if you didn't know the list you were facing. Um, interesting also that like the um, this is okay. If we actually take this at its word, you turn up at the table, you pick your army. It never tells you to show your two lists to your opponent. And this is being very specific exactly about what it tells you to do. This actually turn, tells you to turn up, blind pick one of your lists, blind choose terrain, set up terrain, and then blind show your list to your opponent. And that seems to be the first time that it ever expects your opponent to read your list. Simultaneously flip it and hand it to your opponent. You may now begin deployment. As far as I'm concerned, at this point, your opponent doesn't necessarily even know what faction you're playing. So they're setting up terrain and picking lists without knowing faction. The if for those who don't know, I feel like everybody who's listening would know. But um, that's that's inane. I'm just going to summarize it. That's inane and silly. Well, yeah. To those who don't know, the the accepted norm is that you begin the very first thing you do is show your faction and both lists to your opponent. Once you've studied each other's lists, you then both in secret at that next step is you pick your list. Now we both know what list we're playing. And then at that point, we begin to deploy terrain. Um, That is a very important set of steps. And it's quite odd to deviate from it. I have never met people who do deviate from it. The only deviation that I've ever met is people who just play one list. Like that, 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 that you don't play the two list format. In which case, you know, like, and even they tell each other what's in their lists before they deploy terrain, as far as I'm aware. Yep. Um, that bit confuses me. Like, that bit just confuses me. The whole pregame bit is very confusing to me. And if they run it like we, we think they're going to run it, I'm going to straight up say this right now. It loses a lot of value as an event for me, um, as a player. Yeah, that's true. I, I've said it loads of times in the past. The thing I enjoy most, competitively speaking, I think that gives this game the most value, competitively speaking, is the way the two list format is implemented, and that we both look at each other's lists and then choose. I think if they are intentionally removing that step, then. I really don't know what to say because I I have said time and time and again that I believe it's the best part of A Song of Ice and Fire. And I normally say that in in relation to people who play in a one-list format because I couldn't believe that you would ever not ever implement the two-list format in a different way. I'd never known somebody to ever implement it in a two-list way. I have to admit, and I know this sounds really, really petty, but, and I know that's away from the spirit, right? We're, we're moving away from the spirit of which the event is run and the spirit by which players are there. 
But it seems to go all out to explain the way the spirit of the event is, and even having rules in place to explain mm. said spirit so people play with that spirit. But I literally could turn up with my cake boxes right here for round one, have my list of my TO, and these could be spray painted black. You wouldn't even know what models are in the bloody box. And yeah, for I mean, game I, one, I do actually say that, like, you know, Marwin's, Marwin's memeing on me by going back to this when I said that people are scared to play, you know, yeah. certain things or scared, scared to accept the skill level. He's saying, why am I scared of people who can predict what factions their opponent might have or what they might have in the list? But this is actually where it gets important, which is I, I don't want there to be a value going round and looking at people's armies on other tables and memorizing what their armies are because you know that you might face them later in the game and that for you to go around and or or for you to turn up with a whole group of five people and for you to be able to ask your friend oh what faction was my opponent playing you played him early in the tournament right can you tell me what faction he plays please uh because it's both secret but not secret information i hate i hate when there is secret but not secret information yeah because it's not everybody a level should either know lists or nobody should know lists but it's the problem is, it... is that you can never make it a position that nobody knows lists because as soon as people put their models on the table yeah. everybody somebody knows some lists and there is a certain amount of um certain amount of scouting of other people and the way they play but actually i'm really really glad that song of rice and fire doesn't have any value in that because you get to see it before the game begins and you get to make a choice based off of known quantifiable information yeah uh so i i would hate the idea uh i would hate the idea that there is a value to like knowing some secret information and it's because it's or, not about val- not a level playing that's yes, actually the yes, thing yes, it's yes, not yes, level yes. If you've got yeah. friends there, you are at a distinct advantage than if you don't know many people at the event. Simple as that. Yeah. For example, that could yeah. be one advantage. The other thing, which I think is, you know, genuinely, I would do this at the event if I was going solo. Um, and I would do this because, you know, I'm looking to try and perform and I want to get a qualifier spot, right? This is a national qualifier event. I want a qualifying spot if I'm going there, probably. Um, do you know what I would do? I'd walk around my mobile phone and I would watch a game getting played. And I would willingly take photos of my opponent's army lists. And literally, as they're playing the game, I'd just lean over and take a photo of it. And then you tell me, well, that's one of his lists. I've got that photoed. And I'm not saying that, like, because that's allowed. I assume that's allowed. But that's ridiculous. Why, 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 why should that be a we, positive we might, thing? We might be barking up entirely the Maybe. wrong tree. Maybe. But when I read this document, that is what my guest inference is. Like, they have been incredibly clear about every step of the game, even to go as far as to tell you that you must count your cards in front of your opponent and stuff like that. But then to not state things like you must show your two lists to your opponent, which is actually part of the rules as far as I'm concerned, means that you've omitted it for a particular reason. Or, you know, like, it's... It's it's a really interesting document. Like you know, like it's 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 a very you know it's a very interesting document. I won't dwell on it too much longer, but um, it gets weirder. And I know Hilo in chat almost threw up when he saw this rule and he got a chance to hear about this. Um, normal tournament point scoring, right? 
and they sensei, and this is the bit that really, again, just baffles my head. As Adepticon is founded on sportsmanship and the hobby in general, we're layering those scoring elements on top. Okay. Bear in mind you've just specified you need to count 20 cards in front of your opponent because you don't believe sportsmanship is that real. Um, it says, the game ends at the end of the round when opponents reach 10 VPs. At the end of the round, the most person, the person with the most coins, it calls, is the winner. Coins being VPs. And if either player exceeds, it's the player with the most. This is standard rules for ending a game. And then it goes on to saying that draws are not necessarily draws, and it's the unit destroyed that you compare, which is different to normal, and probably a better, better answer than points left on the table, actually. But then you get a bonus TP, bonus overall tournament point or something like that, if your list is well painted or something like that. Or the sportsmanship, the best sportsmanship gets a, an extra tournament point or something like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How is that? How does that work? <laughs> um, and there are five different total total. Uh, things they award here the champion who is the winner of the tournament and it's the highest victory points secondary points sportsmanship points painting points and unit points being the order of tie breaking so just a quick reminder to be the champion of the event not only do you have to have the highest victory points we hope that you're undefeated anyway we hope so it doesn't really matter so you have the highest tournament points but then you might lose out on highest victory points because somebody else scored more victory points than you even though you've got more secondaries and then it's a popularity contest with sportsmanship and painting and then it's unit points destroyed if it goes that far i think it's ridiculous then you have best general which is the highest victory points scored with secondary points in units being the order of tie breaking there Literally, you could go out there and score a thousand victory I'm not saying you can't even score a thousand victory points in a game, right? But in some scenarios, it's very possible to score 15 VPs in a game and lose. And you just do that every game, maybe win some, lose some, and you can be the best general. What a bizarre concept that is. Like, the game results don't matter, it's just the person who scores the most. Okay. I, I do I do think that like best <laughs> general is an interesting name to give it. Yeah. Um that people are always trying to find other things to celebrate, right? Beyond yeah. the winner of the tournament. But um and, and and picking and it's actually quite astute of the game to know that highest victory points really probably isn't the person who won the tournament. Like yeah. actually they don't marry up that often. Um so, you know, but to call it best general is very interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, I w I just would have, you know, like if they just if they just titled it like most aggressive, or do you know what I mean? Like, or like, you know what I mean? Like, like the bloodbath award or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, then uh, then nobody would be like, what's that about? But they very clearly given it near equal validation versus the champion uh which uh which is interesting um the next two are the bits that confuse me right this actually confuses me there's the outstanding gamer 
who's the player who hasn't won an event already with the highest sportsmanship. So that's basically best sportsmanship. That's fair enough, right? Then they've got the player's choice. And the player's choice is the player with the most player's choice votes points. Now, unless that's for hobbying, which it doesn't specify, it might be for hobbying. But there's but, a best appearance. But there's best appearance. Unless, unless best appearance is best dressed. No, I think I think this is the thing. The best appearance, I think, is the army selected by judges who are going to judge the army on hobby instructors, bearing in mind, Adepticon, they're hobby instructors. They're going to do it based on appearance, technique, cohesion, and wow factor. Okay, a bunch of almost undescribable categories. Um, and then the, the champion's player choice, the only thing you can think of is that's the, the players choosing their favourite unit. Or it's the most sportsmanship award. Again, but player's choice. I don't understand. I really don't even understand. Um, and now I'm not it's going to this event. People in chat are saying this, basically that this reads like the tournament doc from a 40k. Um, from a 40k event. Um, which honestly makes a lot of sense. Like, there is a real chance that this event is being run by somebody who doesn't play A Song of Ice and Fire. And yes. if we go right back up to the top of the document where it says, this is the these are the things that we're using, chances are they are the things and the extent to which the person who has written this document, that's the extent of what they've read about the game. They've read that and they've said, oh, I know everything I need to know how to run on A Song of Ice and Fire tournament. I'm going to put that into a document. Here's what happens in 40k. These things are a bit different in song. I put specific things in this about what I've worked out is different to 40k. Like, whoa, there's this two list format. Isn't that weird? Okay, cool. Well, what you do is you got to pick your list, right? And they've basically it. It does make a lot more sense. It does like it. It, it, it seems to fit together a lot more as a document as a whole is if what you believe is, is you actually have somebody who's written a 40K document and then they've edited it as least as possible to make it seem, as far as they're concerned, compatible with the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is interesting, you know, and, and not even that surprising when, if we ask the question, like, does anybody in the community know the person who's running this event? Like that, that, that is an open question, you know, please, please, please let me know on discord or in the chat, if you know of the person or store or community or whatever, while running this thing, I, I'd be interested if no, anybody knows them. Mm -hmm. um, bizarrely, I think I do. I'll come, I'll talk to you about that after this pretty quickly. Um, all right. The, the last one. Just a... They added like extra salt onto the wounds now. Is the terrain choice? We already know terrain is before you reveal lists. No, after you've chosen your list, before you reveal them, right? Um, you do the normal randomized terrain. Yeah. Yeah. Except you don't do normal randomized terrain. You also then have no terrain piece maybe represented more than twice, which isn't a terrible addition to the rules. And um, you... It means that you don't need to bring more than one of every piece of terrain because it yep. couldn't appear more than twice between you. Mm -hmm. um, if a piece would be a third of that type, the player may select the terrain from that available at the table as long as it's not a third terrain type of already placed. 
So if you roll a terrain type three times, you just get player's choice instead. Which okay. I don't like. I think you, I prefer it they just re-rolled on the table, personally. But fair enough. After you determine all pieces, alternate placement, no closer than short range from other terrain pieces. Terrain may be placed in a deployment zone, but no closer than short range to a player edge. Well, that straight away is a direct contravention of the game mode rules. That's that that, that that's fire and blood. Maybe we're only playing fire and blood. Wouldn't that be good? You know what? That would be forty k all over if they just played fire and blood five times over. <laughs> uh, could be. Yeah, maybe. I just it it baffles me. It actually baffles me. Um there's a lot more here to unpack. There's a lot more to discuss. Um I notice there is no mention at all any way, shape or form what game modes are chosen and how they're chosen. No. After all of this, there is literally no mention of it. Now that you've said it's just fire and blood, there, there is literally no rules written as to how they select the game modes. Which yeah. is mental, in considering they've outlined... <laughs> <laughs> they've outlined literally everything else. I'm guessing they'll just go down and randomly pick, right? Um, or randomly decide, I don't know. But Yeah, I mean, like one of the biggest uh, unwritten rules is that everybody plays the same mode, right, in a given round. Yes, yes. Like, I've never seen a song tournament that didn't do that. No. But, like, really, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not. I don't believe it. I wonder if that one is in the tournament document, actually. I wonder if that states that you must play the same one. I think it does. There actually any... Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if there's actually a requirement that you're not just paired and then you go together and you randomly determine your mode and then you all just play your mode and then submit your results but you know it's it's just an interesting one because they've outlined everything else to the point where they've also ex like gone past the tournament document said we're not using the tournament rules for this thing outline their own way of doing it but then don't outline how they're going to do game modes even they don't even say we're going to use the document to determine game modes um and you know why it makes it super interesting the game mode document isn't on the list of things that they're going to use. Okay, they're using the rules, which the game modes are part of, but they're not using the game mode document, which I believe is correct because some of the rules in the rule, sorry, the game modes in the rules are actually wrong. Um, so yeah, what a bizarre one. Yeah, this um, is yeah. The problem. I mean, I feel like we won't get to find out the results. No, I very know. much fine. We won't get to see everything that was played. We're unlikely to get full list breakdowns, all these things. The actual problem with all this, the reason we wanted to talk about it, I'll finally summarise all of this. This is a qualifier for nationals. Yeah. And this is just, like, this just isn't the same as the event we just saw played at LVO. But it's just not the same. Right? It's no, different pretty... standards. And yeah, I think it, it is. I think it's a good thing that we support every aspect of the game. But it's not standardized at all. And that's a massive problem. 
Yeah, I'm with Jesse as well. Like, there's just a ton of um, bloat here. Like, there's, they 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 seem to have um, outlined and written a load of things that just don't need to be outlined and written. Overlooked certain other things. I I am I I originally only scanned it and like looked at certain things that I thought were crazy. Like you know, like I'd already. I clearly hadn't gone into it as much as depth as you had because you seemed to know where all these random things were. And I was like, oh, God, I hadn't even read that. I hadn't <laughs> even read that paragraph. I have no idea what's about to come up. You know, I, I barely got past this idea that, like, previews were allowed, like, sneak peek. Yeah. That you could sne use sneak peeks, right? Like, that, that's yep. the bit at which I was like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? Um, but... um. But when you look at the list of things that it does tell you what to how to do it, and then think about the things that it doesn't outline, which aren't always 100% standardized, or that you've thought, like, if you're going to tell me that I have to do this thing, if you're not telling me that I'm doing this thing, then I have to assume that you didn't know that it existed, or that you don't think that it should be included, or something like that. It makes the emissions, the length of the document makes the emissions really glaring. Um, and, 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 and there is too much document here um, for what it tries to achieve. Um, I am more and more and more and more convinced that this is written by somebody who doesn't play A Song of Ice and Fire, but who has read the documents that Simon put out and believe that they can convert the game system that they play, which is probably 40k, just by popularity of 40k, and also by what seems to be similarity to 40k-based documents. And they believe that they can guess and have an understanding of all the things that need to be different, and they have listed in their mind every single thing that is different to the way 40k plays. Um, and um... Yeah, Lockerbie points out a very good point there, simple. You could just turn up with a new unit that no one's seen because it's been sneak peeked. And what the hell do people do? How does the TO even check that? Yeah. Do um. When when is it Uh, mid March, fifteenth of March. So we got six weeks. Five weeks. Yeah. Which it's worth remembering that in five weeks they'll be playing. I assume they're not going to update this. They'll be playing the 2021 version of the rulebook, not the 2021 tournament rulebook that they're about to release with the new update. So they'll actually mm. be playing, by the time this event runs, an outdated version of the game. And people legitimately can turn up with old rule sets in play, with 2021 armies. And some people might turn up with 2021 Season 1, call it that, 2022 armies. And they will leap, they will legitimately play, be playing, for example, new Stark Sworn Swords against somebody running old Stark Sworn Swords. I can very much see that happen. Um, I mean, I do. We did say like a few times, like you know, that we feared that people who, particularly when War Council was in its beta version and not beta version, that we feared that you know, like people would turn up to events and not know that there was a 2021 version of the game, not know that there were new cards that they needed to print off. And there were some people very brief and sporadic, you know, evidence that it was happening. I mean, like we, literally, we... like you could name a few tournaments where a single person turned up. So it is very possible that 
and and even at the LV, uh, LGT last year, you know, like I was nervous that there was a large part of the community who I had never met, I'd never interacted with, who I, you know, I, I didn't know their names when they sign up to the event and stuff like that. I don't know when they turn up to the event, whether or not they're going to need me to teach them the rules or whether or not they're really going to know what's going on. And in my experience, the people who turn up are actually very clued up. Mm -hmm. But that's not always the case. Um, but I do find that the level of competency at events is very, very high. You know, like people don't turn up and say like, oh, I didn't know there was an update or, oh, I didn't know that my cards were old or anything like that. Um, oh, there you go. At least Sorry. everybody will be using the same mode. I did just find out that it does say in the game modes that they've specified with the posting of table assignments for each round. So the game mode is only decided at each round at the time. And any game mode specified in the game mode 2021 PDF can come up. Which they didn't say was a thing that they'd use, but clearly they are. So Storm of Swords they, can they come capitalize, up. They capitalize and underline any. Does that mean Storm of Swords? Storm of, <laughs> Storm of Swords legitimately might come up. Yeah. Be prepared for any mode. Please don't play Storm of Swords in a qualifier event for nationals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Halo's just said that he has to pest me, pest me for like, you know, for rules in a tournament, right? Like, there are rules interactions which nobody is expected to know every possible interaction of the way something comes out. Yeah. Um, and if you're at an event and it's going to take time, or you have a differing opinion on like how 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 a how a set of interactions will will play out, then it can be much easier and quicker to ask the TF. That's what they're there for. It's quite different if you don't know that, like, the game has changed. You know, like... Um... The difference is, right, the big difference for us is that LGT was five months, four months, three months after 2021 had come out. And the build-up to 2021 was massive. Um, so we were able to communicate with the vast majority of people coming to the LGT. Because most of them, not all of them, but some of them watched this. They were all interactive on Discord. A lot of them knew about 2021. I imagine there will be people who do not necessarily know about 2022, which we'll call it. Which is coming out, in theory, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I genuinely think it's going to be an issue. I think people are going to come up and people are going to be running awful crossbows with relentless potentially that hasn't been changed and some people are going to turn up with awful crossbows with relentless that has been changed and some people are going to turn up with stark sword swords with crit blow and some people are going to you know and winter's bite and some people are going to turn up with stark sword swords that have stark fury <laughs> um I, I yeah so i mean i just hope you know you know what you know what Car Car carly carly who is honorably taken on uh taken on the challenge to me more than marwin in chat uh has asked why i fear storm of swords and you know what like i i've i've not given storm of swords 
an actual chance in 2021. So maybe, you know, just my ignorance. Maybe I maybe I shouldn't fear it. Maybe I should give it its time in the moment. Uh, but I was very, very glad when the tournament document specifically stated, or the game mode document specifically stated, this mode is not for tournament play. I was like, thank God for that, because it is, it is a narrative scenario under the guise of a normal scenario. We'll end it there. We'll end it there. And we'll probably end the episode yeah, there do. as well. In four hours, Mickey. I know, it's four and, hours. People, and people said that we had nothing. What were we going to talk about this week? There was nothing to talk about. There's always things to talk about. Um, I really hope Adepticon goes well. You know, uh, I really hope it turns out to be a good event. I really hope that people turn yeah. up. And I really hope the people who play in it enjoy it. Um, Let us know if you're going. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. know how it goes. Like, Please. I'd be interested. I do think that whoever wrote this document could do with maybe he's integrating themselves into the tournament scene for Sunrise and Fire a little bit more, uh, looking at some of the documents fully, reading them fully, and, and knowing why the documents as they are actually kind of work and don't need changing. Um, so it would be good for them if they did that, I think. Um, and yeah, I just really hope the event goes really well for them. Um, and I really hope that it ends up being the national qualifier event that it wants to be. Um, but yeah, we will see. We will see. I mean, Adepticon is one of the largest events in the world, right? So uh, you got to hope that it's good. Um, we'll bring you all the news when it happens, as I'm sure we will in March. Um, and yeah, aside from that, Carlo, we'll end today's episode there. Um, is there anything else you want to discuss before we before we go home or log off? Mm, no, it's been too long. <laughs> I've got one last thing. I'm tired. One last thing I want to discuss, which is um, there are some events going on, and I said there I are shitloads of tournaments. Go look them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go look at all the. There events. are so many. Like next week, next weekend, is it coming weekend? There are loads of events. Yeah, loads of them. I also want to give a special shout out to um, the Imjin Barracks Tabletop Gaming Club, who are doing a 24-hour charity tabletop event. This is Scadman, I believe, taking part in this one. Um, and I always said I'd give him a shout out for these events because obviously what he does for charities and things like that and he is mental uh, that's coming up in mid-March but I thought I'd give him another shout out there um, and I really hope that that event goes well um, and NRG are supporting the event and NRG t-shirt is up for uh, yeah. things there and there may be other prizes in the works at that event as part of the raffle that they've got so uh, do check out that raffle and yeah uh, how Absolutely, it enter it if you can. Um, and you know what? I've heard. Uh, I was I was genuinely gobsmacked to hear. I believe that this is setting up to be roughly at least across the twenty four hours. I know that Scadman will be playing in it twenty four hours. I believe Drogon will be playing in it for twenty four hours because you know what I mean. Like if there's something in the extreme end of a Song of Ice and Fire, you know he's involved. Um, <laughs> I believe that there will be at times anywhere up to twenty people playing at any given time. This will be basically a tournament that runs for twenty four hours. Like it. It will just be if you took that Adepticon schedule and took it forward for another 10 hours beyond the 14 hours that they're already preparing to play the game for, if you took it on for another 10 hours. Uh, so honestly, like, consider signing up and going along. Like, 
Just for one yes, game? it won't be a normal tournament experience. But if you can go and give your weekend to turning up and playing for 24 hours, uh, I actually took a look at the dates. Unfortunately, I, I, I'm not available. Otherwise, I genuinely was thinking, hey, I might just go play Song for 24 hours. Like, that'd be great. You don't have to commit to the full 24. You can go and get some sleep if you want. So, yeah, like, guys, um, if you're anywhere near the area, go join Scadman. If you're not, then sign up and buy some raffle tickets. There's some great pirate prizes, and it's a great course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, thanks a lot for Scadman for sharing that with us, and of course, all the best for the event. We'll check up with it later, uh, closer towards the date. And with that, we wish you all the best uh, for this week, all the coming events, of which there are probably many. I'm not going to run through them this week. It's far too many. But remember, you can go to assouloficeandfire-stats.com, click on that tournaments button, hide the map because it takes far too long to load the map sometimes, and hit on current or future tournaments and look through the many, many events that are running or planned in. Uh, thanks for everyone who ran events. Shout out to Macarius Rex, uh, Vex, sorry, who ran Captain Con, I believe, over the weekend, uh, ran three different mm -hmm. events there. Um, I, I believe that went really well, and we got a lovely message from him saying the event was fantastically run on stats. He was so glad that he had that. It made life so much easier for him. And uh, yeah, sign up to the three Patreon different people won to. the three different tournaments that he ran. So go yeah. have a look. Go have a look at what happened. Go have a look at the, the Hall of Champions. Mickey will probably not pick up put up the lists like he says that he's supposed to I every will. week. I just won't put all of them up because it's a lot of posts. Because <laughs> like there you go, like pulling them out as always. Uh, I'll put up a couple. Who stuck around this long, and thanks to everybody that's running uh, events through the site. There's yep. it. It's gotten to the point. Twenty ground was set up so that we could talk about the events that run through the site, and it has. There are too many. We actually can't. So you right. know, now we just shit instead. And I think everybody enjoys that more. So yeah. uh, I'll see you guys soon. And here's hoping there's a patch. I'm on to hope rather than rather than belief now. I, I I've, I've downgraded belief to hope. As we know, guys, next week, or this week, could be the patch drop. Um, that might mean that me and Carlo have a very, very busy Monday next week. Uh, we're not going to cover all the changes in one episode, I say now, but, you know, that might change. <laughs> have a good weekend, guys. Have a good week, and enjoy every game of song that you play and everything else that we do. See you later. Bye-bye. Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth?